How about now? One more time. Well, we sang he lives and he does. Amen. Amen. So you have to listen tomorrow if you want to find out what we're saying. <laughs> we'll sing more stuff. Wait, here it is. It's always good to hide a white notebook on a white shelf. So smart. Let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for working everything out that ultimately our baggage is eventually going to get somewhere in the vicinity of here. That you know where it is. That nothing caused you to say, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was going to happen. You know it all, Lord. But you want us to be patient and trust in you. And you made sure that the things we needed the most would be here. So thank you, God, for that. We trust you and ask you to bless this time and bless everyone who's watching, everybody's hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so I got this letter from a, guy, a lady named Debbie. I won't tell her last name because, you know, it's usually not good to tell everybody's name. But she sent me this letter. She says, I get tracks often and I give extra so you can give to missionaries. Amen. Isn't that cool? She's had four cancers. Two were stage four. One, now one, uh, fourth is... Uh, I'm trying to see it. There's anyway, this stuff is healing. There's a tumor is healing. God has blessed me to be alive. That's her thing. God has blessed me to be alive, and I can talk to all my fellow veterans at our hospital, Navy vet, and everyone listens that God knows what He's doing, and He stays with us, and He says, "Trust me." I tell others about getting through stage two and stage four cancers at the same time and his love for us. And then she actually wrote a poem and stuff. She says, I believe we're in the end times and we need to tell Jesus to as many people as possible. God bless you, brother. Sincerely, Debbie. Really cool. From Connecticut. So, Debbie, if you're listening, I I just read your letter. So there you go. I want to tell you something about Jack, but I'll do that later. But I was going to t- I will tell you this one thing. This was up in Jack's office at home, at his house. Wow. Wow. That when everybody, he said, you know, no matter all the work we do, I'm going to give you another way to look at this by the time I'm finished, okay? But the first thing he looked at is no matter what we do, 151,000 died today. And, and all the people we could save is just a drop in the bucket compared to the people that need to be saved. Wow. Wow. But can I tell you a little story about two shoe, shoe salesmen going to Africa? There were two shoe salesmen. They're both going to Africa. And they went there to sell shoes. That's why they're shoe salesmen. So they go and they do this checkout. And they're checking with all the people. And after a month, the first one writes back. And he says, guys, you got to get me a return ticket. He says, you won't believe this, but everyone here is barefoot. Nobody wears shoes. The other guy writes back and says, guys, you won't believe the opportunity. Nobody wears shoes. Do you see the difference? It wasn't the circumstance that was changed. It was the attitude of the heart that was different. So 151,000 died today, but how many did God help you to rescue out of hell? I'm one of them. So are you guys. But I'm going to tell you my story and how I was rescued. Don't get emotional. I know why Brian does that. Stop that. All right. Stop that. 
You know what? My Bible's in there. I got to get my little my, my vlog Bible is in there. Can you grab me my vlog Bible, Debbie? Z? Not now in the front one, I think. The front one, the other front one. That one, yeah. Inside. No, not that one. The middle one. Yes, we have lots of front ones. When you have one backpack, you, you, you put it everywhere you can. There it is. Here, Darian, you want to hand that to me? So Darian, Darian is now going to be live. Here, Darian, Darian. Say hi to everybody, Darian. There we go. A lot, number of these people I've been friends with on Facebook over the years. I'm telling them, I'm telling you guys too. I've been friends with people. Darian has come away from Maryland. He and his wife and cute little kids. And so, but we talk to each other back and forth by texting. What's neat is even while I'm working at Chick Publications, I have that phone right there sitting there with a little, little Bluetooth keyboard and I'm having conversations around the world with all sorts of different people. Wow. So there's people, there's, I have a friend in Malaysia and he's probably watching or he will be because he, he, we were talking earlier all over the place, anywhere from Peru, there are people in islands in uh, in Canada. There's people where there's no there's no places that are Bible believing churches. Wow. They're not even Bible believing people. Where they're the only ones. One guy in New Zealand said, "David, I watch your videos, and we use that for our church because there's nobody around here wow. who will fellowship with us." Wow. Think about that. But God is there, is He not? Amen. Amen. The point is, is God is there and God has a purpose. And I wanted to get you to Genesis 45, verse 8, please. Genesis 45, verse 8. If, if Pastor Brian wants me to come here from California, i got to have something to say that will touch you, that will mean something to you. That will, it's, not, oh, it's not about me. It never was about me. It isn't about any of us. Jesus would have done it for anybody of us. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who. I mean, think about it. Jesus died for Hitler, too. I know, I know. Crazy, huh? I heard about I don't know who it is, and I hate this, because my research, I always try to get two corroborating testimonies to before I say something, but I've I, I, I got to get the, the testimony. But there's one of the evangelists in the 1800s when he was on his deathbed. And as he's dying, he's telling his family who's gathered around, he could see beyond. He could see people. And, and, and his kids are saying, well, Daddy, what do you see? And he said, I'm seeing people I didn't expect to see. And I'm not seeing people I expected to see. Wow. Dude. Genesis 45, verse 8, please. This is Joseph talking. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. God has a plan. Amen. It's not our plan. It's God's plan. It's God's plan. Now, j- jump over to chapter 50, because remember after, after Daddy died, the kids go, uh-oh, Joseph may kill us now, right? Because they, they're, still, they're still not there in their faith at all. Verse 20, Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. He took a dreamer who had dreams and told him to his, and his family could interpret. Did you notice his family could interpret the dreams? They weren't having trouble. They, they got it. 
There's a lot more going on in that family than you know. There's a lot more of God's plan going on in that family, even though they were messing up left and right. But when they sold him, and then all the things he hears, all the things he knows, and then God he goes into Potiphar's house of all the things, because he's so intelligent, he has to learn the Egyptian language. He learns he has all the monetary stuff under his control. He's the second to Potiphar, and then Potiphar's wife, you know, that whole story. But then after God delivers him, do you realize when the famine hit, Potiphar and his wife had to come for food too. Even they had to come. God had a purpose. It wasn't forever. Sometimes we don't like the things that happen. The people we have to bow in front of, and not not literally bow, because that's not the thing. But the people we have to we have to serve. Sometimes we have to serve people, military people. They know sometimes they serve a person, a commander in chief who isn't doing the right thing. They're still serving. They're trying to do the best they can, not violate their conscience, but they're still trying to serve, right? Okay, but God has purposes for it. Psalm 105, please. Jump into Psalm 105. You don't mind that I jump around here. I'm not like this. It's not that kind of church. Psalm 105. Psalm 105. I'm not knocking the church. I'm just saying. Psalm 105, verse 17. Listen to what it says about this. Look at how it talks about God's plan here, okay? It says, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. He sent a man. God didn't go, oh man, now what am I going to do? God doesn't have a plan B. Everything's plan A with God. Amen. God doesn't even have a plan B. He always had plan A. It just doesn't happen to be our plan A. Wow. Yeah, I like what you said, brother. Thank, thank God. Because his plans are so much better than ours. And they always come out better. Verse, they say, who was sold for a servant. Look at, and then verse 18, I mean, it's not, it's not a lie whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. But guess what? He kept serving the Lord. He kept listening to the Lord. He kept doing with whatever God had given him and saying, Lord, I still know you said that. I still know you said that. And I'm not going to let go of it. Everything's falling apart around me. I don't care. I'm not letting go of it. I'm just not going to do it. And that's Joseph. All right. That's Joseph. Let's jump to Paul. Philippians 1. This plan of God works for you. But here's a couple people that it already worked for that are right in our Bibles. And you can always look back and say, remember, I'm no different from them. If I'm seeking the Lord, the Lord is moving heaven and earth for me, even if it doesn't look like it. To me. Philippians 1 verse 12, please. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So when I tell you my testimony and stuff, you'll go, oh, that's sad. Well, no, because there's a purpose. Sad in the short term, but it's not sad in the long term. Because if it weren't for the short term, I wouldn't have gotten the long term. And I'll tell you about that when I started to work with Jack. God set it up so I could work with Jack. I, can I give you a foreshadowing? Everything God in my life did it so I could work with Jack at Chick Publications. Wow, praise the Lord. Everything that happened 
became something that's now happening at Chick. Everything I learned is now paying off at Chick. Everything I did is now paying off at Chick. Why? Because God wanted me here a long, long time ago. But it takes time in the earthly realm for God's word to happen. And until the word of the Lord came, the word tries us. Like we just read in the psalm. Philippians 1.12. It ha- but when, what did Paul say? It has fallen up rather to the furtherance of the gospel. He's in chains. And whose house? Caesar's house is hearing the Lord. And people in Caesar's house were getting saved. Amen. Wow. As you can see, I'm very stoic. So if, you know, if I don't tell you I'm emotional, then you'll never know. <laughs> I always say that at work because I'm all over the place. Psalm 76, please. Jump back to Psalm 76. I want you to hear that everything God uses for His glory. Everything God uses for His glory. Psalm 76, verse 10. It says in Psalm 76, verse 10. Read it with me. We all have the same Bible. Ready? One, two. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath that thou restrain. So the man who have their wrath, even it ultimately works out to God's praise. And if there's a remainder that comes to them of this kind of anger and evil, God restrains that. He only lets what He wants to let. He allows what He wants to allow. All right. And of course, we all know Romans 8.28, but let's go ahead and turn to it. Because you knew it was coming to this. Romans 8.28, we're saying it today. Malik and I were saying that today, coming from Newark without any bags. Wow. 8.28. Wow. Can you say, um, you got to say, you, most of you know it by heart. Yeah. Josiah, you know it by heart. Everybody knows it by heart. Everybody knows it. Everybody. Verse 8.28, go ahead. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. There we go. Love God. You're one of the called according to his purpose. Whose purpose? God's. Not our purpose. And look at verse 29. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. There's a goal for this. He knew you before the foundation of the earth. And he had a purpose for you before the foundation of the earth that you do what? That, that, that you choose right instead of left, that you put on one sock in front of the other? No, that you be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what He predestined you for. He predestined that everyone He foreknows who is, like when Jesus says, I never knew you, no, He won't say, I never knew you. He'll say, I've always known you. I've always known that you're going to receive me. I've always known that you're going to accept me. And so, I knew you. You didn't know me yet, but I knew you. I knew where you came from. I knew where you were going. I knew you wanted me. And I moved heaven and earth. And when we go to the next life, we'll find out what he really did for us. Wow, wow. The page will be turned and it'll go, oh my goodness. You mean you stopped that and 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 you allowed that? And I thought I was under persecution. And you stopped all that. Wow. Just for me. That's just for you. Because he foreknew you. From the foundation of the world before forever. We just can't even count that. Wow. Okay. That to that you, sorry. 
he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Not a few. Many. God wants to fill that wedding hall with guests. And we're all invited. That's so awesome. Okay. So now that I've started the preface with what... Okay, so God already knew what he did. He knew what he would do. We only see the present circumstance. But if you want God, you are just the person he's looking for. Have you seen that track I wrote called What About Me? You got to check it out. Because that's the one where we found out about how God moved heaven and earth for a lady who is a harlot named Rahab. And she married a guy named Salmon. And Salmon and she had a boy named Boaz. And he grew up and nobody's going to marry a half-breed with a Canaanite. So God brings a Moabitess named Ruth. And they get together. And they have Obed. And Obed gets married. And he has Jesse. And Jesse gets married. And they have, they have David. And then you work your way down until you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, if I'm going to pick a family line, it's that line. Because they wanted me. Is that awesome? Very much so. And yet they went to the wrong country. And I hear a lot of, I've heard a lot of Baptist pastors talking about how it was really bad for him to go to, to Moab and he shouldn't have done it, he disobeyed. But cannot God work despite that? God knew he was going to do that. Malon killer, he knew what the kids were going to do. He knew they were going to die off, the father was going to die off, and he knew the whole thing was going to happen because there was one lady named Ruth. He wanted her. She wanted him. So he moved heaven and earth to get a Moabite. A Moabite is not supposed to enter into the congregation of the Lord. So God got a Moabitess. <laughs> not a Moabite male, got a Moabite female. Got her in anyway because God doesn't care. That's why there's a point if they want him. If they want him, God will move heaven and earth for you. And I have to keep on telling you that. So you get the idea that if it seems extreme when you hear my testimony, realize God will move heaven and earth to get somebody who wants him. Even if nobody will tell him about the Lord or tell him right, God will get him in. (sighs) Isaiah 66. I love this verse. It's just the second part of the verse. Of Isaiah 66. Get to Isaiah first, and I'm actually in the New Testament, which is a really funny place to find Isaiah. Yeah. I'm reading a real Bible, not a revolved slandered version. Amen. Isaiah 66, verse 2. This is read the whole thing, because it's really cool. Let's read it verse 1 and 2, because it's all about God, okay? Read it with me. Ready? Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I lurk. Look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. That's all he's looking for. That's all he's looking for. He's not looking for you did good deeds. He's not looking for you got off un- unhooked from drugs. He's not looking for you, you stopped your alcoholism and you went to AA and you took your classes. 
He's not looking for you did good deeds. He's not looking for you, you, were, you even stopped in the middle of witchcraft. You're in a place where what? You suddenly, in that moment, you're encountering God. It's a moment. It's outside of time. It's a work, brother. No, it's not a work. God said it's not a work, so it's not a work. To stop in a time that's no time at all. It's a moment with you and God where God confronts you. Why? Because I'm going to jump into this because these people always accuse us of this. Go to hold your finger there, please, and jump to John 16. John 16. I still haven't told you my story yet. That's okay. Because this is the preface. And the preface being the word, that's what the power is anyway. The power isn't in my testimony. My testimony is just a testimony to the power of the word. John 16. You know that thing where you have the picture and there's a whole bunch of like Pepsi cans and they got a a Coke thing on them or you, you look. It says, you know, no dogs, and it's got a picture of a, you know, cat, you know, that kind of thing. You had just one job. You ever seen those, those, you go online, type, you had just one job memes, and they have all these different mistakes people make. You had just one job, right? Okay, this side up, and everything's upside down, you know, that kind of thing. You had just one job. Well, the Holy Ghost has just one job. I want you to get this and take this home with you. The Holy Ghost has just one job. People are like, oh. Repentance is a da 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 da. It's a work of you. No, no. You guys redefined it. Some guy on television once redefined it, and everybody followed with this guy, saying you got to list off all your sins. Where does it say that? There are 1189 chapters. Find the find the verse in the 1189 chapters that says you got to list off all your sins in front of God. It doesn't say that. Somebody said it a televangelist or something. No, it's not there. What's the Holy Ghost job? John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he's come, the Holy Ghost, because he hadn't come because Jesus was still on the earth. And Jesus left, he sent the Holy Ghost. When he has come, he will reprove the world of what? Say it with me. Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's it. That's his job. Well, if he's reproving of sin, it isn't an abstract idea that there's such a thing as sin in the world. It's something you did. And the Holy Ghost knows it because he's God. God knows everything. He knows those things you don't want to tell anybody. And when, I'll get to that. On my testimony, when you get to the point, I went, nobody knows I did that. <laughs> oh. And you realize who's talking to you. It's God. Amen. So, are you going to repent of that by saying, but there's two things. Do you want to change? Do you want to not do that anymore? Well, yes, because you just got reproved by God himself. The Holy Ghost just personally reproved you of that. Of course you don't want to do that anymore. Otherwise, if you don't want, to, if you don't want anything to change, then how could you get saved? You're not ready. If you don't want to get saved, you won't get saved. And saved from what to what? If you don't know what you did wrong, how can you know what to get saved to? What is he offering you to get saved from? The abstract concept of... No, no, no. There's nothing about this. It's not a philosophy. This isn't Buddhism. We're not coming into the... We're not going to do the... We're not doing that stuff. We're not, it's none of that. It's no, 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 contemplate my belly button. No, it's not, it's not about that. It's about there's a real God, and He knows you, and He made you, and He wants you to be with Him. Period. He already knows our best, our worst, and our indifferent. And He still wants us. Now think about that. 
That's why Brian cries, because he wants us anyway. Amen. Amen. I, just, I was going nuts. I was sounding like you sitting next to Molly because I was in his seat, seat. That's what it is. I'm sitting in your seat. I was like praising God. We're going, ah, thank you, Lord. God, he's working it out. He's working it out. He's got it all in control. So that's the Holy Spirit's job. All right. So last one, before I get my testimony, Second Chronicles 16.9. It'll be only the first part of the verse, because the second part is the part where the guy did stupid. But the word, the principle is Second Chronicles 16.9. And if you want to know my, one of my favorite verses, the first part of the verse is one of my favorite verses. It always really hits me. Let's say it together, only I'll do it a little slower this time, because it's so powerful. Ready? Second yeah. Chronicles 16.9. I still hear some rattling. There we go. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Not whose heart is perfect, because we already know the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So it isn't that. Perfect toward. It's a direction. It's not an act. It's a direction. That's why repent is to turn. It doesn't matter if you're there versus there, or there versus there, or completely there versus there. Remember the people, Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the what in the wilderness? And all the people are going, "Ah, I made my serpent! And God says, okay, Moses, make yourself a brass servant. Okay. Thong, thong, thong. You ever think about how long it took for him to make that brass serpent? He's nailing the thing, getting, you know, hammering it all together, putting his stuff, getting it up on the, on the, on the uh, pole. He stands the pole. He says, here, look up on the serpent. And he'll be like, no, I want to sit here and writhe in my pain and die. Well, that's like salvation. I want to die, my kids. But they, no. Everybody else they went, mm. Wow. Hey, hey, guys, guys, guys. Do what he says. Do what he says. Look, look, look. No, no. Curse God and die. No. Just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. That's it! And you're what? Saved. And they were healed. That was the example that He used. Jesus used that example. You don't need somebody's theology to tell you what to do. Jesus told us. That all who look upon the Son, look upon me and be saved. God says, not me, not me. We all do the same thing. That's what's so cool about All the preacher does is he stands in front to get everybody focused in the same direction. Amen. Amen. Alright, so our lives are not determined by our past. Our God intervenes and utilizes our past to move us forward. Always forward. If we will trust Him. My parents divorced when I was three. Now, there are two things you can say about that. 
God doesn't like divorce. That's true. But I'm really happy they got married. Why? Because I'm here. Ask my wife. She's rather happy. Ask my kids. They're very happy that my mom and dad got married. (laughs) And and my son's wives and and my daughter's husband, they're rather happy too. Because God can turn anything to good, can he? So my parents divorced and I was free. And it was really good they did because they were not right for each other. They were right for one thing. They brought me into the world. They brought my brother into the world. Even if they did no other good thing together, that one was a good one. And God made good on it, didn't he? He So then we're three. We moved to the grandparents' house. My brother and me and my mom moved to the grandparents' house. And so on the weekends, I would go... Like one weekend, I go to my grandparents' church, which was a Bellow Congregational Church, descended from the pilgrims that was sitting there in Ontario, California, and my, my, went with my dad, went to the Religious Science Church, the Church of Religious Science in, in Claremont. Uh, anybody know about religious science? Yeah, it's like, you ever heard of Christian science? Yes. It's like grape nuts. It's not grape and it's not nuts. Exactly. Well, it's not Christian, it's not science. Yeah, well, religious science, it is sort of religious. But it's definitely not science. But they get science of mind. Yeah, right. Anyway, so you probably imagine that I heard not about Jesus over there at the religious science church, but I also didn't hear it at the congregational church. I heard about the little kid in the manger. I knew all the songs. I actually learned Matthew and Luke 2 and the Christmas story at my elementary school. My public school taught me out of the King James Bible... And it came to pass in those days, there was a decree from, you know, the whole world should be tasked this tax. And we first made with Simonius was governor of Syria. We did that for Christmas. For That was when it was done in the public school. Didn't learn that from church. When I was, uh, what, nine years old or so, I got, a, I got an RSV. I got, a, I got a Bible I didn't read, but it was there. It was read. Um, but it was cute. That was about it. But see, it seemed like everyone went to one church or another. I had a friend who went to the Baptist church, Temple Baptist. I went to, another went to another church. Another went to another church. They all went to different places, but everybody went to church. It's like, it's Sunday. Everybody, that's what you do. You go to one church or another. But um, no one actually talked to me. We talked about angels and stuff. I had a couple of friends, and we'd talk about angels. And somebody said, oh, they're always warring back and forth. And it's only like they're flight. And they're like, I don't know. I, they, they did talk stories. And we talked jokes and, and whatever mythologies that people had, but I didn't know anything. Even my grandma, who prayed for me and stuff, who loved Jesus, never talked to me about the Lord. Wow. Never. So, and at the church, I never learned about Jesus. Church, but it's like a World Council of Churches church. Right. It was it was an ecumenical church, and they never talked about Jesus. You got the the Christmas baby, and. I didn't know what Easter was. I knew about the bunny and the whole thing like that, but I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know it had anything to do with Jesus. You went to church for it, but then, you know, it's bunnies. But, one of the greatest words in the Bible, but, God intervened. So, after my mom and my brother and I moved out, she became a public school teacher. Some guy was walking down an alley in Ontario, California. And it was toward the latter part of the day, close to sunset. 
And you can't see over the fence. You know, it's just like, when one of those wooden fences, I'm like, you can look at my YouTube channel. I actually take it at the spot. And I'm sitting there in the grass, nine years old, in front of our apartment, sitting on the grass. Walks up to me and says, you want to read a comic? Five words. Wanna is a word. You want to read? A, you want to read a comic? I said, "Yeah." Would you read it to me? Okay. I don't know this guy from Adam, but I'm right in front of my house, apartment. And so I start at the beginning, and I will say to my soul, "Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry." But God said unto him, Thou fool, this day thy soul shall be required of thee. It is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judge went through the whole thing to the end. And at the end, the well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them to love him. And we come to page 23. And he said, Would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? Does that sound complicated to you? There's no theology. Just scripture in the story. In a little comic book. Would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? And I said, yeah. He says, okay. So, one, two, three, repeat after me. You can't do that. Well, what if you really mean it? What if the words... Express what's in your heart, or at least they, they do a better job than what you got in your heart. You, but you got the idea, and you want that. Yes. You know you want it, but you don't know all the words. Well, they're right here. Doesn't work. <laughs> I, I prayed that prayer. And he, ta- and he told me, okay, now go to a church that teaches Jesus Christ. Now, here's the funny thing. I had two friends. One friend went to Temple Baptist Church. Hey, Chad. And the other one went to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I became a Mormon. I'm shortening the story, and everybody, all my friends know, I'm shortening the story because there's no way. I, I can make this story as long as you want to hear it. I won't do that. I want to keep the story moving, okay? But I, went, I was a Mormon for four years. Now, I'm not even counting when I said I was a Christian before the point where I became a Mormon. In, in between time, my dad took me to the Nishra and Shoshu of America, the NS, NSA, not the NSA, National Security Agency, but the other one. Nishra and Shoshu America, of America, that's Buddhist. Where you sit there and you got the Hindu prayer, the prayer beads and, you go, and you're doing the... the the lotus, the, the prayer of the lotus, and you're singing, nam yo renge kyo, nam yo renge kyo, nam yo renge kyo. And you start reciting the names of the different gods and all the stuff out of this prayer. You don't know what you're doing. But they said, you know, think about what you want to do with your life and stuff like that and what you want while you're doing the prayer. So I'm reading this 48-page prayer book going, I want a bicycle. <laughs> it didn't work really well. I was trying, but I was, you know. That was in the middle, but then the Mormons got a hold of me with the missionaries and everything. This is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to America. Jesus Christ. So I became a Mormon. I was baptized a Mormon. I became a deacon wow. at 10 years old. And it's really funny because when you're 18, they call you an elder. An elder means what? Younger? No, elder means 
Older? Older than who? I guess the 17-year-old. Uh, but they, they call them elders. And they have, they're supposed to give you the Aaronic priesthood so you get the Melchizedek priesthood, which is only held by one person, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. It says he hath his priesthood unchangeable because he doesn't die. There's no way to pass it to. But they didn't read that part. That, that wasn't... No. <laughs> so, I wish somebody had just shown me Galatians 1. Yeah. Do you remember Galatians 1, guys? Galatians 1. Would have made a big difference all the way back then if somebody had taken the Bible and opened it to Galatians chapter 1. If I'm going too slow, I'll speed it up. Galatians 1, verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto him than that which you have preached unto you, let him be accursed. An angel. So, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel to you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Now, if somebody had taken the time and shown me that all the way back in 1972, because I, I signed my little trick track back then, and I, that's why we put it back in. I told Jack, I said, we gotta, we got to get that back in. So now we have the date that you signed, not on this one, but on the new tracks and stuff. You have it like that. You signed the date. Because I, I did that. I had my big, one of those big pencils that you have to carry with your arm. But uh, it's 6 7 so June 7th, 1972, is when I really got saved. I want you to catch this point. I really got saved, and then I became, went into the Buddhist church and called myself half Christian, half Buddhist, and then I became a Mormon, Okay. That's what happened over the next few months. And then for four years, I was a Mormon. But was I saved? Well, of course, because salvation isn't based on our works. Once I came in, what happened? A number of things happened when I got saved. First thing is, I received my pardon. Because God has the pardon, but it doesn't even good if you don't receive it. A guy is sitting in prison. I did, I did a, did, have you seen the, the track called, uh, I beg your pardon? I wrote that about, it was about a real, it was actually regarding a real event. It reflects a real event that happened in the 1800s where a guy was, was uh, accused and, and everything and he got a pardon for the governor and the guy said, no, I'm going to take my sentence. And he said, no, you have to take it. And they, it was a Supreme Court ruling. It said, no, right. a pardon is only effective if a person receives it. That's right. The door can sit there open for the, until he's executed. Yeah. The pardon can be sitting on the outside of that, that prison door. But until he picks up that pardon and says, yes, I'll receive it, he, has, he stays there and pays a sentence. Wow. Supreme Court ruling. Because it actually makes sense. That was a Supreme Court ruling that made sense. Because <laughs> it reflects the truth. The truth is a pardon is only a pardon if you receive it. Right. right? right. To them that receive Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. You, you believe him, you receive him. Yeah. Okay. If anybody just gave me that scripture, I would have left. But guess what? God had a purpose. God didn't have anybody do that. Even though they knew it right there at the Christian Life bookstore where I kept on buying chick tracks. So even though I was a Mormon, I kept going to the bookstore and buying chick tracks. I kept reading chick tracks. And I, my dad had bought me a Ouija board and, you know, for that stuff. And my Mormon friend and my Baptist friend, we did the, we did the Ouija board together. But there's a point where... Reading the thing and reading um, Bewitched, and I saw that we they, oh you're not supposed to have that. So one day it was too I couldn't like I couldn't burn anything. I was a kid, so I put, poured hot, like boiling hot water and scraped the thing off and put Mad Magazine stickers on it instead. So that 
<laughs> That's how I got rid of my Ouija board. Because, but it was a chick tract that gave me that information. Amen. I have people who write to us saying it was a chick tract that gave me my basic theology. Say so we're not trying to write theology. So it doesn't matter because you're quoting the scripture. Right, right. What is it that Jack always said? If you can remember one of the things today, remember this: the power is in the scriptures. Amen. It's not in the story. It's not in the artwork. Even if you go, oh, that's a wonderful drawing. But if you say, it's a wonderful drawing Jack did, or a wonderful drawing, or it's a stupid drawing, it doesn't matter. It's not about the drawing. That's a great story. Oh, I love the story. It's a beautiful story. That's great, but that's not going to get anybody saved. The power is in the Scriptures. And we know that at Chick Publications. That's all we... That's why we're pushing the King James Bible, because if you don't have the right Bible, you won't... Have the scriptures. You'll have man's interpretation of the scriptures. Right, right. Exactly. Amen. So, I mean, yeah, that's not good. I could go on. I can't go there. That's another topic. I have to go on. So, all right. So the Lord brought me into Mormonism for four years, and then my dad got me out of it by having a talk with me about the Godhead and saying there couldn't be a physical father, a physical son, and a physical Holy Ghost, and then being physical, three physical beings being one physical God. Right. How does that become? That there's three gods. And how are you going to have that if God is everywhere? If He's omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, how does He have a physical body and be omnipresent? Now, I learned a lot more since then, but that's another story. Nonetheless, He got me pulled into pantheism. The God is everything. Which is also called monism, you yes, know. Right. It's also called monism, which is God is all. Yeah. Sounds so spiritual. <laughs> My belly button, the closed closet, room 1402 in the Hotel Laguna, all of them are God. <laughs> so I became a, a pantheist. And I went to the Church of Religious Science, trusting my dad, until my dad turned in the guy for not paying his income tax. And then we went to the Episcopal Church, where they didn't actually teach Jesus there because of my dad's friends. And so it was, you know, the people were not really clean. They're kind of dirty. They had their own, you know, they were just un, unclean, selfish, unsaved people in an Episcopal church. But you did get to taste a little wine. Uh, but that was about all there was to it. I mean, other than that, and you get to have this little cardboard that you put in your mouth and, and then it just kind of, it tastes like cardboard and then it's gone. It's like, what exactly is the deal about that? See, in Mormonism, they have bleached blood, they have water. They have bleach, they have blood, they have, the, they have water, that's their sacrament. They call it sacrament on communion. It's, uh, it's water, and then they have, they have wonder bread, so they have leavened bread. So they have bleached blood and leavened bread. That's what we had. And then they threw it around before church. I went and told one of the, elder, one of the older guys and told him, hey, they're throwing, around the, they're throwing around the sacrament. They're probably not supposed to do that. And he says, oh, it doesn't matter, it's not been blessed yet. So I didn't care. It's like, yeah, I was weird. When you become a Mormon, they, they're really different toward you. Um, <clears throat> they're nice to get you in, and then after that, they act like real people. So, wow. but I moved in with my dad. My dad was able to say, I want to give you an alternate way of living, an alternate point of view. Right. An alternate perspective is the term he used. So when I graduated uh, junior high, and I was tw- about 12 years old. That's the whole idea is that 12-year-old. He always told us when we were the littlest kids, when you're 12-year-old, you can choose who you get to live with. I chose. My mom hated it. But my dad, you know, we said, okay, we're going to live with my dad because he's going to give us an alternate perspective. So we did. And that was in 1976. And I'm skipping a lot of history. I'll jump to 1979. My dad's a voice teacher. Um, 
My dad is a great singer. He was a great singer and a voice teacher. And in 1979, one of his students, he thought, was singing better after he took something called the S training. Anybody know what the S training is? E-S-T? Nobody? Okay. Sort of. Yeah, it's like mind dynamics. It's got bits of Scientology in it. It's got bits of Marine boot camp in it. It's got bits of uh, psychological manipulation in it. It's got a whole bunch of Eastern mysticism in it, all packaged up in one big New York kind of thing. Yeah. Billy Joel was an S graduate. I'm in a New York state of mind. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. Actually, it sounds like a New York song, but that's not the point of it. As an S graduate, uh, they teach that you are God in your universe. You caused it. You pretended not to cause it so you could play in it and you could, you could, you could realize that you're God anytime you wanted to. And that's, they do that after teaching you that you are a machine, a stimulation response reactivation mechanism. I could do the whole thing. I know this stuff. I remember this stuff. I used to freak out in high school, at Palm Springs High School. We moved out from San Bernardino and then moved out to Palm Springs. I'd walk through the weight training room because that's all I did. I didn't like sports, so I did weight training. Skinny little me, never gained any muscle. I'd walk around going, this is an illusion. Characteristic of illusion. It is hard and persistent. This is an illusion. We went out to a bowl. We had to do play baseball one day. And we went out there and this guy comes and says, man, I'm on reds. And you're weird. <laughs> I don't even know what reds are, but whatever they are, he said, he's on some kind of drugs called reds, and he said, I was weird. But after I took the S train, I took the S training, so dad took it, and then we took it, the July, August training, and after I did it, I had a voice that started talking to me, telling me, do this, do that. And I started doing it, and I started having what seemed to be powers. Like, I could think thoughts, and I liked the, the I always know, religious science, Christian science, Divine science and Unity School Christianity. Anybody heard of Unity? Yeah. Okay, Unity in, in Lee Summit, Missouri. Unity School Christianity is also, they're all the same kind of occultic group. They're all based off of Christian science. Right. right. Which is also based off of Phineas P. Quimby, but I don't want to get, and, yeah. and, and the Church of the New Jerusalem and Swedenborgianism, but I don't want to get into all that. And Rosicrucianism. There's a lot of stuff that's all related. It's all new agey stuff, and it's actually really old agey. But all that stuff, I was in going to the Unity uh, Church in Palm Springs, Unity Church in the desert, and I was in, in, in lust with the uh, pastor's daughter, and I could think thoughts, and she could hear them in her head. So I'm not going to say her name, because I don't want to bug her. But um, she could hear them, and she knew. So when the first time it happened, we're like going to this one place. I'll just tell one story. There's too many. The first time it happened, we are going up to Santa Barbara to a little Youth of Unity thing, and uh, she's asleep, and we're in the back of a pickup truck with a camper shell on it, back when you could still legally do that, yeah. and we're all sitting around, and I meditated these questions to her. She woke up, looked at me, answered my questions, and fell back asleep. That was the first time. Wow. Other times I did it from my house, 22 miles from Palm Springs. The next day, when she, her, she and her friends are walking up, she stops, answers my questions, and then goes on with her day. Wow. Weird stuff. And did, did I do that? Of course I did it. I mean, if you just had an invisible devil that could fly around places, he can go places and transmit information. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. But it sure doesn't mean I had any power. But I'll get to that in a minute. But God intervened. Even then God intervened. I made ten rules of the universe. I did all sorts of stuff. I started meditating up storms. Um, I did a whole bunch of stuff. And it happened. That's all I can tell you. I didn't say that I did it. I said that it happened. But... 
There was a point uh, where we're driving in a car, and I was doing some S stuff, and somebody said something about judgment. And it was like, by the way, there are Mormons who took the S training, too. They're reading, they're taking it, but I didn't realize that they actually, in the highest levels, worship Lucifer. Right. Wow. Did you know that? Yeah. That's another story. I can't get into all the stories. There's too many stories. But somebody mentioned something about judgment, and I was like, I was, I was in a fog, and I'm like going... Judgment. I remember that from somewhere. <laughs> That's how far I was all wrapped up in the system. A vague, cloudy memory started to form. And then um, there was this book that my dad was putting together, that Educational Insights was putting. Actually, I wrote it, most of it. Um, but it was uh, taking two and three letter combinations of the English language and then teaching people who have trouble reading words, making poetry using all the diagraphs of different letters, the alphabet, put it together, and they learn how to say those things, and they learn how to read the English language, and they go from the bottom to the top of their class, and that was kind of fun. And so they, they totally tricked us over with their lawyers and everything like that, but that, that doesn't matter because God's he knows what's going on, and he didn't want it to happen that way. But while my dad was in there talking to the lawyers at Educational Insights, this other guy... He uses, sees I have a Bible, it was a Gideon's, and he starts reading me the Ten Commandments. And that started getting me just a little thought. See, God's intervening, using people who are not necessarily following the Lord in every way, but they're just, he's using them, just like a frog leaps from leap ta- you know, lily pad to lily pad. God uses people. God uses events. I'll bet you guys have stories to tell here yes. about how God used a little thing yes. right over here. Somebody over here said something, and it just clicked in your mind. Why? Because God made sure that guy was there that day. To say that little thing that clicked in your mind. Because God knew that if that guy were there that day, and said that thing, it would click in your mind. You know why? Because God uses people. You say, oh, use me, Lord God. Well, guess what? God's going to use you regardless. But there's two ways He uses you. If you want Him, He'll use you for your benefit. If you don't want to follow him, he'll use you for someone else's benefit. But he's going to use you. He will use you. He won't violate. You ever heard the song, the Lord did not, the Lord did not force them to go against their will, but he just made them willing to go. The hornets coming in. I mean, you're supposed to move. I'm not going to move. I'm sending hornets. Uh, I think I'm going to move now. <laughs> He did not change the guy's dial. He didn't go, you're going to move now. No, no, it's no Mickey Mouse thing. No, it was God sent the hornets. They went. God knew how to do it. He said so in the scriptures. I will drive them out with hornets. They didn't want to go. But God encouraged them. (laughs) They used their free will. He can get somebody to be there to say that word because he knows he's going to say that word on that day at that time because of all the things that that person is interacting with. And that guy's saying that because of the things that came out of his past and her past and their past. And this is what God does. That's how he works all things together for the good. So I got this thing going on. So now I've been writing songs, uh, you know, using my philosophy and stuff. And I've been, I did a little concert at a Unity Church. At the Unity Church, I still got the tape. And I was singing songs and things. I went in front of the Palm Springs Library, which is right next to Palm Springs High School. I'd already graduated. It's, uh, it's the year 1980. And, uh, in late July or early, to early August. And I'm sitting there and I'm playing some songs. And a guy's got a knapsack on. And he walks over to a palm tree over here. 
And he sets his knapsack down and he comes back over. And he looks at me. And I'm sitting there. Okay, that's why I'm looking down here. I'm sitting and I'm playing. And, and he looks up and says, I look at him and he looks at and says, do you have a purpose to your music? Wow. And I'm thinking inside my head, of course I am. I want to become unified with the Christ spirit. I want to be one with the universe. I want to be, you know, a great whatever. I got all these great grandiose themes. And, and you know what I said to him? Yeah. That, that's what I said. Me being God in my universe, I said, yeah. That's as far as it went. I love it. God knows what to do. And then he said something to me. He said, I asked questions for 34 years. And for 34 years, I did not stop asking questions. What? That's what he said. So I got my music down here on my note like this, down in front of me. I'm looking down at I looked up. He's gone. Wow. Wow. Like real gone. There's no, there's no knapsack. There's no him. Like maybe 10, 15 feet away, I took Debbie to the spot when it was still there before they redid the front of the library. There's a little grassy knoll maybe this high down here off the ground. And he played air raid and went, ah, and jumped down. You still see his bottom sticking up. I mean, there was no place to go. And he was gone. I thought, that's interesting. So I grabbed my stuff up and I moved over to another place because it's, it's, it's almost August or early August and now it's getting really, really hot. So I get into a little shady area and I sit down and start playing again. So I'm playing a song called, that I wrote called, Oh Lord, I Could Begin Again and another song called The Eagle and I'm all up and down and having fun. And a lady sits down at a park bench about eight feet away, like right by where the table is. And she says, Oh, what a beautiful Christian song. What a beautiful Christian song that is. Where did you learn to sing like that? I said, my dad's a voice teacher. Oh, he must be a beautiful Christian. I know a beautiful Christian producer, and you could write the music, and your dad could teach the, sing- the, the singers. And I'm thinking, how can I shut this woman up? <laughs> and I said, what church do you go to? It was really funny. You know what's really funny is God knows how to do things in such a way that you can remember them. But he also knows how to do things in which you can forget them. <laughs> she said, oh, I go to her world church. I still don't know. She said it right in front of my face. And I'm pretty good at memory. I used to be my dad's tape recorder. He used to say, you could test me by a tape recorder. I could not only do the same thing, I could sing the same note eight years later. Wow. That was on the tape recording. Because I just had a phonographic, not a photographic, but a phonographic memory. And yet, I church. And then she said, what church do you go to? And for the first time in my life, I felt ashamed and I had no idea why. I would have told anybody on any other day, I go to Unity Church in the Desert right over there. We do the thing, we do the worship thing, we do the music thing or whatever, the church and play guitar and the, the spiritual leader, da-da-da. And I said, I go to Unity. <laughs> this is as far as I could get. And she didn't say, you dirty, rotten sinner, you're going to burn in hell. And that's not what she said. She didn't say, oh, how sweet. Oh, that's wonderful. Nothing. She said, I have no idea what she said. She said something, though. Just a little something. Then she said, the only thing about unity is they emphasize the self too much. Of course, I know that I'm nothing and God is everything. The whole movement, like this. And I'm thinking, oh, 
That's it. She's not one of the capital T truths. She's not the metaphysical truth. She's one of those little T truth ones. Oh, she's one of them. You know, that's what I thought. So I thought, okay, this is, this is kind of over. And that was the end. What's weird is the conversation just kind of... <laughs> God does... You asked, remember you prayed that nothing more that I'd say, nothing less. God knows how to keep a conversation <laughs> right on topic. Amen. And then it's over. It didn't devolve into anything. So then after that, the next thing that happened is I decided, I think I'm done for now. <laughs> so I just kind of quietly, silently grabbed my stuff, grabbed my notebook, went over to strap it on the back of my Honda 400T25 speed, not that I care about motorcycles, strapped it on there. I love that thing. Strapped it on. A couple of teenagers are walking by. And she starts walking to her car, which happens to be right next to me. And she still doesn't say a word to me. These two teenagers are walking by going, <laughs> take, a look at, take a look at her. And I'm thinking, that's not nice. I'm thinking, you shouldn't talk to her like, you shouldn't say things like that. And of course, in my godhood, I said nothing. My godhood isn't doing me any good, is it? My so-called godhood. Then I took a but you know what it did? It made me take a look at her. Abby! She looked like Minnie Pearl in light blue. She literally was wearing the whole thing. She had the Easter bonnet. and it, This is August! It's hot! And she's wearing a light blue. It's, it's like Minnie Pearl, but in light blue. Anybody remember Minnie Pearl from Hee Haw? Anybody ever see Hee Haw? Okay, thank you. One person admits it. The rest of you are just telling me stories. No, Minnie Pearl. She's, Howdy! Go on, look it up online. You'll find She's, she's a sweet lady, but she, she had a little tag. It said $1.99 on her hat. <laughs> so cute. But anyway, she looked like Minnie Pearl in light blue. And, her, and she gets into a car, which is like the jalopy of jalopies. It's the same color of light blue. You want to get my attention? It's that color. It's like this kind of faded light blue. And it's literally a jalopy. It's like, I don't even know what kind of car. Maybe an automobile. I don't know what it was. I don't know, but she gets into the thing, and she she doesn't look at me. She gets into the I'm standing right here. She gets into the car, she backs up, and she drives away. You know, only I'm thinking of is that going to disappear too? That's all I can think, because I'd seen stuff. I'd already done things that seemed to be miraculous. So I'm watching this, and I'm watching the car, and it goes on to Sunrise Avenue, and it goes up, and I see I can see the car between the palm trees until it goes. No, then I went out and see. Is that other guy in there anywhere around here? So I walked looking around the street and stuff like that. And I went, I am just going to go home now. So I went and took off. And that was the end of that. That was just one occurrence where God intervened. Then the next weekend, I was back with the person who showed me the Ten Commandments. And my dad was there. But my dad would have been a real you know, downer on the Debbie Downer on the whole thing. And it, it wouldn't have happened. All of a sudden, we're at a Marie Callender's to eat pie, and at the next table, Mr. Daniels, to my dad, because my dad was a teacher at Shannon Hills Junior High School. And, of course, my dad loved to be loved on, so do I. So he goes over to talk to him. And this guy and his wife immediately start talking about what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And for the first time in my life, I understood it. And then I said to them, I wonder why my dad can't understand it. I mean, I literally was wondering. By the way, I had never in my life questioned my dad. 
I'd never failed to believe my dad. Ever. I always believed my dad was telling me the truth. That will be important in just a minute. So, the next thing that happens is, they're going to get ice cream and then some other things happening. And then while my dad is out of the room, they say to me, now look, when you read the Bible, pray to the Father in the name of the Son and ask that the Holy Spirit will reveal the Scriptures to you. I went, I'm good at spells. (laughs) That's what I thought. Okay, I can do this. I can do this. And I was spending a week with my mom. So the next day we go off and I go off with my mom. Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, went by uh, all the way to the first part of the week. I was reading through the entire New Testament. And I was reading through it. And by Wednesday, I stopped praying that prayer. And all of a sudden, all that spirits, all the things that were around me, all the things that they started reinterpreting everything. By the time I came home that Sunday, I thought my dad was the Antichrist. I thought only 144,000 people were going to go to heaven. Does that sound like prime candidate for something? Watch the witch tower. For the witch tower, yeah. <laughs> the Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, Brooklyn, right? That's, that's Brooklyn. That's been sold now, you know that? Somebody bought it. I forgot who bought it. Is it Chinese, maybe? <laughs> Anything that you haven't bought yet? Anyway, so... You did not hear these words. YouTube did not hear these words. Anyway, so... Nonetheless... I was all messed up and I came back to the the place in the desert. Now, I lived in a 12 foot by 16 foot squatter shack in the desert. You can look it up. 22950 Tamiram. It's Tamiram, but the only place it gets the right location is if you take the M and make it an N. But it's really Tamiram because it's Mary and Matt spelled backwards, the people who built the street. But it says Tamiram. You can find both of them, but the one that says Tamiram is the correct address and the wrong spelling. But anyway, you can find it. That's where I lived. You can go down and do a geo thing and go down and use your Google Earth and look around. And you'll see what I saw from my house. Joshua Tree is right up here to the north. And then the San Andreas, the literal San Andreas Fault was right south of, south of our house. So when the earthquake hit, we were on a floodplain on the rocks like Fontana. And so when the earthquake would go, we just hear a boom. We feel nothing. Then and down in Palm Springs and, Palm, and all the places down there, Palm Desert and... All the way, and that's what we call the jelly bowl, because it's all just sand. And they go, whoop, 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 shaking around. And we just hear a boom. And we go down to the, to ride our motorcycles down at the fault line, and now the trails have changed, and things like, <laughs> things have shifted on the fault line. But yeah, that's where we lived. In the middle of the desert. And, uh, I came home, and my dad decided to, to talk to me about stuff. And I'm thinking he's the Antichrist. I mean, literally, I've got this problem in my head. So my dad starts doing an S process, it's called. And I start going into this hypnotic kind of a trance. And I feel like I'm falling in. Anybody read 1984, George Orwell? Remember the end when, John, when Winston is there and they take, they're getting ready to take the rat-infested cage and are about to put it on a guy's head? Yeah. Then finally he gives up Julie. He gives up his woman that he, he loved, thought he loved. And then after that... He feels like he's falling backwards through the floor and through the universe and everything, and then he's brainwashed. Yeah. Then after that, he loves Big Brother in the last scene. Yeah. Okay, that's the feeling I had, falling back. Same like it happened in the S training when that happens. This is a thing that happens. But when he did this process, I felt like I was falling into a fog. So I said to my dad, should I burn my Bibles? And he said, no. 
Wait about four days, pick it up again, see what happens. Am I boring you? No. Okay. I'm not Gene Scott. Am I boring you? I want to know, I want to know, for Jesus welcome me there. Play it again! No, no, not Gene Scott. But I just want to make sure you guys are with me. Four days later, that's Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. My dad's sunbathing on the roof with that 12 foot by 16 foot squatter shaft. And I'm walking by and I'm looking there and I have this feeling right here. You know what? And I said to him, I said, Dad, I feel, he just passed away, by the way. And he got saved, I think, just before he died. Amen. So I got to say that at his funeral. And I was like, yes. Amen. In front of a whole lot of people who weren't. So it was kind of cool to be able to give salvation and give tracts to people who are most definitely, definitely not saved. And I will not tell you why. But he was up there sunbathing on the roof. And I said, Dad, I feel like something's about to happen up there. Like four feet above you. And I had these kind of, I mean, I didn't normally have like premonitions like that. I had lots of stuff. I even had an outer body experience for about a minute and a half. But that's about, that's as the, seriously, I was laying in my bed one day and I was feeling the, feeling the concrete, because we lived on, oh, there's a concrete slab, right? And so we have a bedroll and I was feeling the floor, but I was also standing outside the, the house, just right outside. That's real spiritual. I'm standing there and I'm watching the desert drunk, you know, I'm watching John Damon and some guy I don't know walking up and walking right like this. I'm standing there and I'm feeling the floor at the same time inside the, and then I'm back to my body again. Next morning I said, I saw the guy and I said, oh, you were here at this time of night, weren't you? And you did this and you, walk, you and John Damon walked right up right like this and you, yeah, yeah, we did. So I was like, okay, that's it. That's the, see, I don't have a big story about that. That's it. That's my whole that's what you want to have, by the way, in your testimony. You never want to exaggerate. You always want to say things exactly as they were because the power is in the word. The power is not in your story. So then, my, I felt, so it's Thursday, and I made a decision at the same day. I thought, you know what? I think I'll blend all the stuff I knew about the occult and the different religions and Mormonism and, and Baba Ram Das, be here now. That book, it's, it's back in stores again. Barnes and Noble, you can read all your occultic fantasies. Yeah, they have whole, the, the occult extension is larger than it's ever been at Barnes and Noble. Do you have one of those out here? Yeah, yeah it's got, it's bigger than ever. It's, it covers, it goes right around psychology and, uh, psychology and self-help. It goes, and it's going on the end caps and it's getting extra, it's just growing. You too can be a Wiccan. Yeah, all this stuff is there. Your Enneagram. Actually, that's in the psychology section. But still, the other stuff, the occultic, the real occultic, heavy occultic stuff is right out here. But um, I thought I would blend all that stuff together. Alan Watts, be here now. Um, all that stuff together into one. That Sunday then, I left the Unity Church. I took a letter, put it in Ronelson Nelson's glasses case. And I said, I'm going to go for the light side of the forest. That was my great terminology. You can guess what movie just came out at that point. Um, so it was a return of somebody. Anyway, so we went. Uh, I decided I was going to leave the Unity Church. And that night, we, Dad and I went and saw a Disney movie. And I told him in the middle of the movie, I said, Dad, when I was 10 years old, I said the spell that was in this movie. And it started snowing outside the Montclair Theater. He says, "Well, you we'll have to do something." With it. And so after the after the movie, he said, "We got to get a we got to go to the library and get a you know book of you know spells and find out what that is." And I was thinking, where are we going to find a library at nine o'clock at night on a or eight o'clock at night on a, a Sunday? But 
that's all those things stick in your mind. It doesn't make sense, but the Lord knows how to write a story. So I got into the car, we're driving, and I start reciting the spell over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. And it was a completely clear night. It was two days before the full moon, I know, because I spent, in Bible college, I looked up at old calendars and found out. It was two days, it looked like a full moon to me, but it was two, year, two days before this full moon, and you could see it over, over uh, Indio to the, to the east. And so, at the east side of the San Andreas Fault, we're driving up to the, uh, we have to come up to San Andreas Fault, go through Thousand Palms Canyon Road, up to Dillon Road, and then over and down Ram. That's how we get home. So we're driving on the way home. I'll skip a bunch of stuff, but I will say that when we got up onto, onto um, Thousand Palms Canyon Road, I got an idea in my head that I would do it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy, Son, and the Holy Ghost, I did the spell. And clouds were forming along the San Andreas Fault, right along the fault line and moving further and further to, to the west, right along the fault line. You could see lightning flash inside. There's a, we used to see like this ball, like this kind of little, like, like a fault shooting star, but it was different colors, and it would arc, it would arc over the San Andreas Fault. I don't know what the phenomenon is called, but I saw one happen and flash inside. Earth flight. You can call it what you want to, whatever it is. I, I, anyway, I'm just saying that I didn't know. So I, I'm not going to insert anything backwards into the testimony. I didn't know what it was. So, um, so that we've seen this, I'm going, ooh, this is cool. So I'm reciting it over and over. Finally, we get to the house, drive down the dirt road, come to the shack. I get up on the roof, and I'll skip a couple more things. And I looked over toward the southwest, which now had become really filled with clouds. And I stood like this, aimed myself toward it like this. And I said, 17 years old, I said, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, lightning, strike! And it struck. Wow. Never seen anything like that in my life. And so I said... Words you should never say, volume one, I am a prophet of God. So God decided to say something else, but first I'll tell you what was going through my mind. I was thinking the Christian science logo. Heal the sick, raise the debtors, cast out demons, uh, heal, uh, raise the dead. Yeah, it has the right, and that's the order, they wrote it in the back order. Anyway, that's what's on the, on the cross and the crown for the Christian scientists. Like, I can be a Christian science healer, I'm receiving the Christ self, I can become a, a messiah like uh, um, Richard Bach talked about, illusions, the adventures of a reluctant messiah. I could become like that said in the deep books in Unity, where you take on the Christ self and you become a messiah, and then they kill you and you go to nirvana. You know, all this kind of, all this stuff is going through my mind. So I said the words, I am a prophet of God, and I heard a voice. Get out your Bible. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. I was standing on the roof. I had just said, I'm a prophet of God, and this is what I heard. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Exactly. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I 
profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And I thought, wait, Father? That means it's got to be the Son. That sounds like the Bible. That's got to be in the Bible somewhere. If that's the Son, that's Jesus. But if I'm not following Him, i got to be following somebody else. But my dad said there was no devil, but there's got to be one, so my devil dad's got to be wrong. And then I saw this image in my mind of a naked guy in front of a big old screen saying, this was your life, bringing me back to eight years before where I wouldn't have known what the word repent meant if you, if you had shoved it in my face. Eight years since I believed in Christ. Eight years I thought I was following the truth. Eight years I thought I was following the real path. And that that was the path that my dad said. Not the path that those Mormons made up, but the, the path to Godhood. I thought that was to manifest my Christ self. I thought I was to do all these things. And I don't find I'm a naked guy in front of a screen. And so I thought, where's my Bible? And see, I had bought this big old mule-choking King James Bible. It's real big enough you could choke a mule. That's what I call it, my mule-choking King James Bible. I later wrote a book about that included that book. That book was actually really important for my book on the New King James. Because that was the very book that was used that made this guy, Salim Ziadi, have enough money that he bought Thomas Nelson Publishing. Did you know that? It's in my book, New King James, the Bridge Bible. You want to know why the, all the other Bibles, the New King James, look, the King James lookalikes are so dangerous? It's in that book. I got all the research in there. And it's all story, but it tells you some amazing things. Okay, so then, in fact, you say, oh, he had them all here. They're not here now. Oh, they're right there. Oh. Yeah, there it is. This one right here. Somebody said, that's a pyramid. It's a bridge. You're looking at an angle. It's not a... <clears throat> Christians make mountains and molehills and molehills out of mountains. It's, not a, it's a bridge. That, the bridge Bible. Walking on a bridge into the fog. I thought that was so creative. That's a pyramid. Are you a cultic? <laughs> we do that at Chick all the time. You're doing this because he has his hand up. You're doing this because he has his hand down. You're doing this because his hand looks like this. You're doing it because you have one finger, two fingers, three fingers, four fingers, five fingers. Say, who made the hand? The devil? God made the hand. I'm not giving it to him. I'm not giving it to the devil. Amen. We are not going to give my hand over to the devil. You only got five fingers. They can only do so much. But they went like this. I-L-O-V-E-Y-O-U-I-L-Y. I love you. That is not Helen Keller's secret code sign. It was invented before she was born. <sighs> but she was a Swedenborgian. I don't care. It's later. It's, it's the wrong time. Anyway, we have that all the time. All right. So we'll get back to this. Amen. So I got that mule choking King James Bible and I looked it up in all the wrong places. I started in Mark and went to John. <laughs> they went to Matthew. No, and that's not it. So I went to Matthew 28 and went backwards. You know, God has a way of just rubbing our nose in it in such a beautiful, polite way. My self-wisdom got me nothing. It took me so long to find it. I went through all the red letters. I knew it had to be Jesus, so it had to be red. So I went down and Matthew said, that's why we read it. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And I said to myself, God is on my roof. What did I say, what did I say back on Thursday? Something's going to happen like four feet above where my dad was. 
So I took my Bible, I took a flashlight, and my dad's not even looking. I mean, realize, I said we had a a seven-room house, but it was really only 12 foot by 16 foot. I mean, just, if you look this way, it's a TV room. You look this way, it's the uh, dining, it's the, it's the, uh, the stereo room. And if you look this way, there's a table, so that's the kitchen. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It was really like that. You look this way, there's my guitar, that's the music room. And you're like, there's my bedroom, there's a closet on that corner. So that's literally, that's how we did all our rooms. My dad's sitting there watching television and he's totally oblivious. Now, the Lord does that. Like the Lord causes a deep sleep to fall upon X, Y, or Z in the Bible. The Lord does that. He's focusing on that. He doesn't even notice me going. <laughs> and I got this thing and I got my flashlight and I start walking out and close it. And I'm looking and he's just staring at the television. That's not like my dad, okay? Close it. And as I'm closing the door quietly, I'm just thinking, you just watch television. You're really just scientist, you. And I climbed up to the top on the ladder. I set the book down. And the storm and all the things that were happening, it stopped. Like back, I used to say like pausing a VCR, but we don't have a VCR. It's like pausing your DVD, you know? It's like, it was like pressing pause. Everything was silent. I'm in the upper desert. The wind's always blowing. There's always things going on. There's a giant storm that's been coming up. The clouds are still there, but they stopped. Everything is stopped. And I'm sitting there. And this big old mule choking King James Bible shining my flashlight at it. And all of a sudden the wind blew from the other end. And it stopped on Deuteronomy chapter 4. Wow. Hope you guys don't think I'm taking too long. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Give me a chance to get there. Verse 19, please. Unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all the nations, under, under the whole heaven. My wife would tell you, God created the sky as a clock for us. Amen. The immense unfathomable riches and depth of the universe is a giant time clock for us. Even C.S. Lewis and other people, Christian people, have said, oh, there's, there's got to be multiple galaxies. Why? God made it for us. He said so. And I think I trust God more than even my own best and most enlightened opinion. Well, it must be. Why? If God didn't say it, it ain't true. Well, at least it's definitely not verified. God And God said it was about us. In the beginning, God created the heaven, and then he focuses, and the earth. And the very next words, and the earth. Until we get to the new heaven and the earth in Revelation 22. That's how God does things, which is so awesome. That's how God does things. And I was, by the spirits, told to do these exact things. I don't want to tell anything about it because I don't don't want to get anybody thinking any thoughts in their mind. But I had stuff I was told to do, and I did this exact thing. Driven to worship and serve them. Okay? And I had voices that told me to do it. I did. I'm not going to say what I did. So after that, the wind blew from the other direction. 
and stopped. I'm not going to give you any more verses. I'm not going to tell you all the things I did. Debbie knows, and she's like one of the only people in the world who does, and that's all that matters, because she still wanted me after that. I did what I looked at that, and right where one side is going like this. The other one stopped. So I just shined my flashlight, and right where God knew my eyes were going to fall was exactly the verse that told exactly my sin. Holy Ghost is sent to do what? To reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He reproved me of sin. I'll just say, he kept on going back and forth and back and forth. And one side would be going. And the other side, I'd look at And right where my flashlight went and my eyes went was another one of my sins. And that's why I'm not showing you where I was. At one point I went, like I told you at the beginning, nobody knows I did that. And I went, you know. And I was on my knees in front of the Bible. I wasn't trying to be religious. I was literally just scared to death. And I was sitting there. I'd never seen Jews at the Welling Wall. I knew nothing of this kind of religious thing. It wasn't religious for me. It was my heart. I was sitting there on my knees going, I'm sorry, 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 I'm sorry. I have no idea how long I was doing that. Because I was sorry. Now, I will tell you something doctrinally really quick, okay? I was not an unsaved person being sorry for my sins and all the story like that. I was a saved person who had no idea where repentance was in the terms of the second, the trying, the, there's three kinds of repentance in the Bible. One is the repentance that God does. He will do what he said he will do unless humans do X. Like in Jeremiah, if I tell him I'm going to build and plant and do these things, but you turn away from me, I'm not going to. I'm going to do the other. And if you say I'm going to destroy and to hurt and to do these things, but you turn back to me with all your heart, then I'm not going to do that. I will turn. I will repent of what I said I would do. That's one kind. Only God does that. God is not being sorry for his sins. Because everything, every word in the Bible, that's why we study linguistics, everything in the Bible is defined by its own category. Now, you don't make everything the same, right? Like, I love my wife and I love ice cream, but truly I love my wife more than I love ice cream, and I love in a very different way than I love ice cream. I didn't marry ice cream, I didn't commit myself to ice cream, and it kind of melts, and she doesn't. So there's a lot of differences, okay? Same way, repentance type one is God. God turns from what he said he'd do based on the, the reaction of his creation man. Number two, only unsaved people can do the second one. And that is turn from whatever it is they're doing to having faith in Christ. That's repentance type two. That's it. Because there ain't anything else. Now, along with that event, the Holy Ghost does what? He reproves the world of sin. Righteousness and judgment. That also happens. But what God wants you to do is turn toward him. But the Holy Ghost's job is to get you to turn, because how can you place faith in somebody you're not looking at? There's people who look at Mary, and if they're not looking at Mary, they can't. The, the, no Catholic will say that they're really, they're really venerating Mary if they're not looking at her. Well, it's the same way with us, with, with the real God, the one God that's true. Right? We have to turn and look on it. That's number two. Number three is where everybody gets all messed up. Only saved people can do number three. Get it? Only unsaved people can do number two, where they move from unbelief to belief. 
They turn from anywhere on the spectrum to faith in Christ. That's number two. But number three, only Christians can do. And that's where you deal with your sins. Your actual factual things. Where you have a father who deals with you as a child of his. Because you have a relationship. You have some place to hold that. It's like when the kid came to his dad and said, Dad or Grandpa, Grandpa, what did you do to keep yourself from having an STD? What, was, what did you wear? Is it a wedding ring? Amen. You've got to be in a relationship to have number three. Because God deals with you as with sons. He doesn't deal with other people. That's why, why didn't God deal with that? Because it's not his kid. He deals with his kids. He loves us. But he wants to pour his love on his people, but he has to adopt them into his family. So you get saved, and you receive the Holy Spirit. You get forgiven, you get pardoned, you receive the Holy Spirit. Then he cleans you because of the death of Jesus Christ, paying for all that. But he cleans you up, and then he makes a home and puts the Holy Spirit inside you. And then in that condition, he adopts you. So I was adopted on 6772. So on June 7, 1972, I was adopted into his family. Did I understand everything? Oh boy, did I ever not understand everything. Obviously, look at what happened. But God used it. I'll get to the conclusion pretty quick. So what happened is, the Lord brought me to himself. And I poured it out. Because after that, he showed me all the stuff about the second coming. He showed me a righteousness. He showed me the spells I had done were perversions of what God did with his people, which I found out later, that's what occultic people do. Satanists do. They pervert the things that God really did with his people. I didn't know that, so he turned me to the scriptures on that. And then judgment, every scripture from Genesis to Revelation that talk about the second coming, even in this Bible, it has little, where the publisher writes little notes on top of the paragraphs. This is about the judgment. You know, Jesus is going to judge. God's going to judge his people. Every scripture from Genesis to Revelation, same thing. Wind blow. He's going to judge the people. Oh, the Lord's going to judge his people. And it went on and on and on and on and on and on. Sin, righteousness, judgment. Exactly the things that the Holy Ghost is here to do. And I was already saved, but I had not gone through that process. As a, as a mature person, God wanted to get me all the way into, this, into the fold. I was all messed up where I was going. And God brought me back through that simple thing that the Holy Ghost does. He had his purpose and he did it in a very unusual way because God doesn't really care what we think. That's that's why I don't like systematic theology. Systematic theology systematizes out God. It says we man can figure out a system and God has to fit into it. Yeah, how's that working out for you? Yeah, no. See... This is the proper order. The scripture is above me. I do not change the scriptures. The scriptures change me. I do not judge the scriptures. The scriptures judge me. That's why if you have a pastor saying, believe me as to what I tell you about the Bible, I say, no, I believe the Bible, what it tells me about you. So, I know, he said, I know if your pastor says the same things, because we're in agreement there. Okay, so, I got my first Bible study by God. Next thing I did... I, I went, I went, oh, I could go on. Let me finish that part, at least. After that, 
It went to Ten Commandments. And I read the Ten Commandments for a moment. Then it went to the dictionary and showed me the words I didn't understand. Landed right on the word. He's the Bible. I'm not even touching it. I'm scared to death. I'm just sitting with a flashlight. Finally, it went to Psalm 118, verse 8. Could you guys? Psalm 118. You guys see already? You already know that. Yes, give it away. Why don't you? Psalm 118. No, there's nothing wrong with that. You know the scripture. That's a great thing. Let's read it together because it's so good. It got me through Fuller Seminary when I thought they'd really messed with my faith. These words really, really got me through. It is better to trust in the Lord. Say it with me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. That's it. This is our book. This is what gets us through. And I gave myself to Jesus with everything I had. Everything I could come up with. Then my dad went went back to teaching music in San Bernardino and stuff, teaching voices and stuff like that. I went back and I grabbed all my stuff to burn it. Not my Bibles, just all the fake stuff. So I had my Mormon stuff. I had my S stuff. I had my Baba Ram Das. I had my all all my different things all piled up. And I got my lighter fluid. Because we burned our trash in the desert, by the way, just back then. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Father, I really want this stuff to burn. <laughs> could, you, could you please make it work? <laughs> and I was singing every wrong verse to Amazing Grace. I was making them up on the fly. I was just... Nobody's going to hear me in the desert. I'm in the middle of nowhere. My closest neighbor needed a telescope to even see me. I was, that's how far we were. The, now it's not like that, but it was then. I was so excited... Next Saturday came, my dad wanted me to work. Wait a second, what about the thing about the Sabbath? Oh, but honor thy mother and my father. Well, I better honor my father, because if I don't honor my father, I'm not honoring God. So, I learned that without any doctrinal instruction, the understanding, I knew I needed to do something to, uh, how am I going to witness to my dad if I can't honor him? So I knew that the Sabbath thing couldn't be the same thing. It just, it was clear to me. God made it clear. Like Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for... Man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't over us. We were given dominion over stuff. We're just to be good stewards of it. So, I was a King James Bible fanatic now. So instead of all my books of spells, I'm carrying, and including ones I wrote, I'm carrying a giant King James Bible. That's totally non-conspicuous. It's this big, guys. Wow. <laughs> and it's white. And it's even had a ribbon. Of course, now I have five or more, but even has a ribbon. And so I walked around like that. And until I got, and right when I got baptized, somebody said, oh, here's a better Bible and gave me a new American standard. And that started a whole different pattern, didn't it? But if I hadn't have gone that way and then got my Ryrie Study Bible, when I was clinging to my Ryrie Study Bible when I came into Bible college, I'm skipping a lot. I ended up going back with my mom. Um, oh, i got to tell you this. I went back. You're still okay? Yeah. I'm not taking too long? Okay, it is Saturday. It's not Sunday, so I'm not going too much. Am I okay, Pastor? All right, all right, good. Amen. So, and, and you guys are, well, you're on YouTube land. You can do what you want. Um, pause, eat lunch. Pause. Ah, oh, he's still talking. I knew he would be. 
Yeah, I just kind of knew it. All right, so we we moved uh, three days later. Uh, for two days, I decided, well, first of all, I can't go in. I was abused by my dad, okay? I'll just leave it at that in a way that I shouldn't have been. And I thought, I can't go down to that devil tonight. So I just went down and said, Dad, I'm going to sleep on the roof. And I used to do that all the time, okay? So I grabbed my bedroll and I grabbed three colored pencils, climbed up back over on the roof, and I said, Okay, God, where was all that stuff? And started highlighting. No kidding. And the Lord helped me lead me, even though I didn't know what to do yet. And then after that, I started in two places. Genesis and Matthew. The beginning of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New. And just started reading the Bible. That was my Bible education. I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't have any place to taught me Jesus. This is what taught me Jesus. That's what I had. So when I was in the desert, on the third day, oh, I missed that one thing. While I was up there doing that, I sat there with the Bible sitting in my lap. Now I'm sitting, facing the south. I got the water. The way we had water, we had an outdoor shower. Um, but uh, we had this big old uh, water heater that was spray painted black, and that heated up because it's the desert, and that became our warm water, so it didn't freeze to death. But uh, because also in the winter, he still have sun. So I sat there and I was with the Bible here, and, and I said, "Lord, I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror and know that something happened." And one last time, one last time, it turned to Numbers chapter six, the Nazarite vow. And so I was reading about how they grew their beards, and they didn't eat grapes, or you know, any kind of fruit of the vine, da 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 and reading all this stuff. And then uh, three days later, well, I was, on, I was there, well, actually, the next morning, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I thought about it, and the, I, it was the last time I shaved. The, the night the day before, was the, the, August 24th, 1980 is the last time I ever shaved. That's why I still have a beard. That's also what kept me out of Tim LaHaye's Bible College. Because they didn't allow you to have a beard. But I, I had a beard because I wanted to do that to honor the Lord. Something I could see. So I knew that I was following the Lord, that this was real. Like, show me that this is real. And uh, the third day after that, that is still gone. But he's coming back that night. And I said, Lord, I said, if you give me a sign, I'll walk out of this house and never come back. I'm in the desert. I have nowhere to go. That night we come back from a movie, a little later than normal. We got out our bedrolls, and I'm able to go down. I'm, I'm comfortable now. The Lord's helped me. I went up the next two nights and asked God for questions and prayed and read Bible and did everything I could do. And uh, read during the day. I just all into Jesus. And God was getting into my bed. And two, I, I'd made the negotiations with the animals and the things. I was into some really bad stuff. But there were two, the, the, the black widows and stuff and, and stuff. I didn't go killing them all. I said that they'd just stay on the outside and they couldn't come inside the house. And uh, I, when I'd read a book, I know flies. I said the two grasshoppers or two praying mantis could come inside. And so I literally had a praying mantis come in. And he sat there and he looked at me and I gave him a piece of lettuce. And he sat there and ate it. And, but I'd be eating, reading one of my witchcraft books. I won't tell you by whom because I don't want anybody to look them up. Um, but I was reading one of the witchcraft books and the fly drew, flew right here, died and fell into the book. Like, Ugh! But, you know, they weren't allowed. So the, the spirits did stuff. It was bad. So I'm laying in my bedroll. And there are two black widows. Now, black widows do not walk in tandem, but these two were. Wow. Toward my bed, where I was. Here's what happened. God intervened. They're crawling along. My dad goes, I went, well, I went, Dad? <laughs> Voice breaking, Dad? And he went, Son, I've been thinking of moving back to San Bernardino. 
What do you think? I didn't have to move a muscle. I got the sign to leave and I didn't have to do a thing. God had it already arranged. I moved four houses below the assistant minister of the local Calvary Chapel. One of my dad's boy students went to that Calvary Chapel. I was telling everybody my testimony, but I found out they were Christian. I was like, we've got to go here. I went to there. So we're moving out to San Bernardino. And he's, the guy says, uh, is it John something or other, there's a church, Red Brick Church, Red Barn Church, whatever it is in San Bernardino now. It was then at the YMCA. And he says, have you, have, have, I, I said, he said there's a baptism the next Saturday. And I, I, went, so I went to the church. And he said, and, uh, he said, I want to get baptized. And he said, uh, are you born again? I said, I want to sound, you know, stupid or anything, but what do you mean by born again? <laughs> My cultic books redefined everything. And he said, well, have you given like everything you have over to Christ? I, said, I don't know. He says, well, you do that this week. And if you've done that, come back Saturday, I'll baptize you. So I'm praying, God, I give the motivations behind the motivations, 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 behind the motivations. And then I give that to you. Oh, and I give the motivations behind those and behind those. And I just went, I did this for days. Friday, I could not feel the, the ground. I felt like I was floating. I'd given everything I could think of, every thought, every, everything to God as much as I could because I wanted him so bad. If you want God, you are just the person he's looking for. I wanted him so bad. And Saturday I got baptized and I'm going, yes! Not a Mormon. Now I'm a Christian. I mean, I didn't know all the doctrines and stuff, but I finally did what I was, I obeyed. Now I know doctrinally, I mean, say I obeyed. So, I mean, because if you're, like, if you're not saved and you get baptized, you're a wet sinner. But if you're saved and you get baptized, you're an obedient Christian. So I was an obedient Christian. I knew I'd made that final open stance. And I could never be the same again. It never happened. Now, it took all those years after I got the New American Standard. I'm going to the Ryrie Study Bible, coming into Bible college, and uh, New American Standard. And I'm sitting here like this with, with scared... Uh, Dear eyes, not knowing about the people that are around me or anything in this Bible college. And this lady named Debbie Woods looks at me. And she'd been listening to Jews for Jesus and their song, Here Am I, Send Me, and uh, from one of their albums. And she looks at me, never seen me before in her life. Totally different place from Ventura. She says, Lord, it looks like his mind has been a battlefield. God gave her discernment. She said, Lord, help the guy. And if you want to use me, here I am. Am I thankful that she came to Pacific Island College for an MRS degree? Yes, I am. Am I thankful that Tim LaHaye's college said you had to have a beard when all all people in my church were supposed to go to Christian Heritage College? Yes, I am, because that's where Debbie was. And what a blessing. My kids are very happy about that meeting. God worked that out. But I went there with a New American Standard. I became top Greek student. I went to Fuller Seminary. went to advanced Greek at Fuller Seminary. We studied Bible translations, sociology, anthropology, linguistics, Greek and Hebrew. Went on from there. Got my got the full three summers of the Summer Institute of Linguistics. We were getting ready to go out as Bible translators with the wrong Bible. We're going to be under a Jesuit in Papua New Guinea. God knew all this. And so he just paused things. 
And he made the little thing happen. Now we got five kids. They all followed the Lord. And the Lord brought us to the King James Bible. It took a long, took, took ten years of this stuff. But one guy come into our church where I was leading praise and worship with my classical guitar. And he, and he says, Lord, the Lord just kind of says, pray for him. And he goes to the pastor and says, I, don't, I have a burden for that guy. Who is he? <laughs> and she starts praying for me. He worked with Jack Chick. Do you see how God works through all these things? And he said to me once, because he saw I was in the New King James at that point. I thought I was really advanced. I was really using the New King James. And he said, if God something, did something right the first time, does he have to do it a second? So he did it right with the King James. Why does he have to have a new King James? That simple thing. At the same time, there's a Roman Catholic trying to make me into Catholic. So I was doing research into Catholicism and the Bible versions, and pretty soon they crossed like a dovetail on a guitar on a guitar joint. And I went, "Wait, what? <laughs> What's going on here?" And then finally, I started asking questions. I'm on the pastor's helper debate board, writing some up, writing the things I'm finding about the Bible, and the guy says. Says you're a Ruckmanite, and I said, I don't want to sound stupid or anything, but what's a Ruckman? <laughs> Anybody who suddenly finds out that God actually did what He said He would do and preserved His words like He promised, and He put it in one place because God doesn't put things in two when He has one, they call a Ruckmanite. So that's interesting. I never met him. He did like my book Babylon Religion. Wrote a really nice article on it, but uh, and he was he and Jack were friends. Because why? Because everything was the same and everything they did? No, because they knew, they knew they were both warriors who had the right Bible, the right idea, and they both lived to draw and to get that information out the best they could. Amen. Right? Amen. So after 18 years, God brought me back to the King James, the very one. I am so humiliated. Realizing that God had preserved His words and I had it right there. But if I didn't become a Mormon, I could never have written the comic book called The Enchanter. I could never have corrected the visitor's tracks. It would be absolutely correct historically. And because I had my experience as a Mormon and, and then with ex-Mormons for Jesus and the hundreds of books I have on Mormonism. If I hadn't have gone through Nishin Shoshu Buddhism, I would not have been able to talk philosophy with a Buddhist. If I hadn't, even though it's Western, if I hadn't gone through those mind-altering trainings, I wouldn't have known how to talk to people of that type. I wouldn't have known how to inform Jack on that stuff. If I hadn't gone into the occult, I couldn't have talked from it it's from a position of knowledge. If I hadn't taken this stuff and been into the, been in a high level of textual criticism and doing this stuff, I could not have known the doubts that it causes in your mind. I would just be another person who was just saying it's so, but not having the experience of it. Somebody had to do it. And God let me. Somebody had to find out when he's working at Chick that the Sinaiticus wasn't written in 350 AD, but it was actually in 1839. To 41, what changes to 1843, when it was darkened in 1859, to figure out how, where, when, why, and by whom. And I got to do it. Because I wanted him, not because I was smarter. Because I wanted him, he gave me what I needed. Because he qualifies the called, he doesn't call the qualified. And so here we are. I get to research and write and teach about the King James. I get to win souls for Christ and everything I ever did. God is you. I like to draw. Amen. And now you can get him out. You can get him out. Yeah. 
Trust the science. It doesn't come out till Wednesday. You guys are getting early. You guys are getting this. This is my second one I've ever drawn, and I'm so thankful and grateful. And God had to get me through a whole lot of sickness last year to get me past myself to do it, to start drawing. The first one is the one called No Way In. If you've seen the yellow one, No Way In. And this is the second one, Trust, trust the Science. I'm, I have no idea what that has to do with it. <laughs> we don't trust science. We question science. The whole idea of science came from Christians. Because Christians had to believe that there was a God. Yeah, go ahead. Christians had to believe that there was a God who works in history. Why don't you give two to everybody? Okay, okay one for them. Huh? There you go. <laughs> there you go. Not psychic, just the Lord worked it. Because the Lord knew you wanted that. And then there you go. I've learned this. I don't have any powers. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. That means there's nothing left for David. Amen. <laughs> I can't sing that song. We've got the power. No. Unless you at least mean we got Jesus. We got the power in the name of Jesus because he's the power. But Jesus said, all power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So I don't have power. I never had power. It was an illusion of power. And so even as a Christian, if I pretend I have power, then what? I've got pride. And I'm no doubt better than the devil saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. The five I wills in Isaiah 14. So there we are. Second Chronicles 16.9 again. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for you. And you may think there's something in your life that you haven't gotten to yet. Well, he's looking for you. At that moment, when your eyes meet, you'll have that experience with God. And it may not be your salvation. Your salvation may be already done. But there may be an experience with God that will get you to that next place. The eyes of the Lord move to, run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. Not to show us strong. Oh, I'm beating on this thing. Sorry. Sorry. Not to show ourselves strong, to show him strong. To show himself strong in the behalf. On your behalf. Of them, of he, of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And again, Proverbs 5.21, one more time. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. So remember, the eyes of the Lord are looking for you. Because the ways of man, all male and female, the ways of man, he called them man. The ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. And he pondereth all his goings. God is looking at everything in your life. Everything you've ever done. Everything you will ever do, could ever do, could not ever do. And he still wants you. And he still has a purpose for you. And he will show himself strong. It says two purpose clause. You think God can't do what his purpose is to do? Of course he can. All God's purposes get done. Part of his purpose is for people to want him. He can't make them. He chose not to make them. Oh no, God must make them. What, you're making God do something? No, God has, can do anything he wants to. He says no. I'm going to restrain myself. I don't want robots. I want people. Amen. I don't want. I don't. I don't want an AI. I don't want an AI bot that I can talk to and it spouts back liberal philosophy or conservative philosophy. I want a person who says, "I love you." Amen. Amen. God has got this, and He's got this for you. 
And in a chick track, all we're trying to do, all we're trying to do is give them the spiritual connection to God. This is your 20-cent missionary that goes, If remember I say this when you have an argument with a person, or a discussion, we'll call it that. You go back and forth, you win. They don't take this, you lose. Because this goes with them. But if you lose, and they just confound you, and you got the wrong words, you, you didn't hit it, you said the wrong thing, oh, did I really do that again? But they took the track, you won. Amen. Amen. Even if you were humiliated, but they took the track, you won. Because it's people who take these things home. Or in their back pocket. I do it everywhere. You know, all the stuff that happened with my luggage and Debbie's luggage. All the stuff that happened. And going to Newark and then going back to Tennessee and then going back to, I don't know, either Newark or LaGuardia. I don't know. When it's going to show up at 2 p.m. And if you guys are still around and and they have this... See, I have, we have a poster of this. Not with this part, but with, but, but this with the scripture, beautiful poster. I have one for every one of you guys. So if, you, if, if it's here at 2 o'clock, if not, I can give them to Pastor Brian if there's a way to get them, sent, get them to you guys or whatever, because you were here. Darian, I really want you to get it. All you guys to get it. And the ones here, if you're here tomorrow anyway, I'll definitely get it out. I'll get them out to everybody there and, and, and stuff. I'll gladly get those to you. But we brought them from Chick for you guys. This is a special gift to remind you. 150,000 may die, but you have the opportunity given to you by God to empty some of those out. To storm the gates of hell. Not the gates of hell storm you. Gates don't storm people. Right? That's why they will not prevail. The gates don't prevail because we're beating on them. Amen. Delivering them from hell. Even hating that state. Without, I'm getting into the next lecture. <laughs> There's more coming up tomorrow. I hope you guys are going to be able to hear. Those who can't, will be on YouTube too. I just want you to know how much we appreciate the opportunity to be here and give this to you. But I want you to be left with that fact that you are a missionary who holds on to missionaries. And these little missionaries, they hang on to them. And you'll find out so many stories, because I still don't know who that man was on June 7th, 1972. I know the date, I know the place, I know the tie. I never found out his name. When I get to the heaven, you know there's going to be an angel there. And he's going to go, oh, Kim, I'm going to give him such a big hug. Because he was the only person. But God only needed one. What if that one is you? What if that one is you? Can we pray? Can you share that story with Carl Edwin? You said that this was your Oh, that was, okay. November 30th, November 30th, uh, 1998. Uh, I had, you're going to do this to me. I had been researching and researching and researching, and, I, and the evidence was so big that I said, Lord, I said, the day I got saved, you spoke to me. You gave me the scriptures. You brought me to where I am. Is it really true that you preserved your words and that those words are perfectly preserved in the King James Bible? And the Lord said, yes. I cried for 24 hours and spent $400 buying Bibles for my family. (laughs) Now let's pray.
Thank you. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for your holy words. Thank you for your written word. Thank you that, that you didn't leave us without one. Thank you that you even called your son the word. Because you told us the power of the word. You told us how we can speak that. Not our power, because all power is given to your son. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your, for your holy word. Thank you for the message of salvation that you entrust us to us, broken vessels. And thank you that you've given us a means that even in this really busy time, we can get it out to people, even baggage claim people that we'd never have seen if it weren't for that event. Who knows? One of them might have gotten saved, might get saved in the future. Or their kids might see the tract and they might get saved. Lord, you know, because you brought a guy out of an alleyway for me, well, you brought me all over the place because of this baggage thing. And I'm talking to all sorts of people and giving them tracks. So maybe, maybe you're, you wanted some of those people to be saved and you needed somebody to be there. And only if you lost my if they lost my bags, could it possibly happen? So you went dink, and suddenly they were lost. But you know where they are. You know where every soul is, too. And you know how to save them. Help us, Lord, to go forward from here with a conviction that we can be your vessels to win others to Christ because it is He, your Son, doing the work by the Spirit through us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. And Pastor? Thank you. Great job, uh... Oh, David, appreciate it. Brother. Love you, brother. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe that the Lord, you know, would have us walk out of the church right now. But if you have to go for uh, whatever reason, feel free to come and go as you please. But, um, you know, brethren, I got saved in 1996 on the street corner of Brooklyn, New York. A Ruckmanite, a Hellfire Brimstone, Damnation Street preacher by the name of Brother Brian Brady led me to the Lord Jesus Christ. The day I got saved, I wasn't looking for God. The day I got born again, I wasn't looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. The day I became a born again Christian, I wasn't looking for the truth. But Jesus says in Luke chapter number 19, verse number 10. But the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And Brian Kelly was a lost soul on his way to hell. And the Lord used the hellfire brimstone the audacious street preacher for Brian Brady to only reach the Lord Jesus Christ. But brethren, the scariest thing for me was I was on my way to hell. And I didn't know it. I was on my way to hellfire. I didn't know it. I was away to a burning hell, I didn't know it. I was away to a burning hell, I didn't know it. I was my way to a lake of fire, and I didn't know it. And Brother Brian Brady, he was wearing a Dr. Ruckman shirt from Dr. Ruckman's bookstore, Bible Baptist bookstore, Pensacola, Florida. It had a picture of a King James Bible. It said, Bible Believer on it. And he gave me a fellowship gospel track. From fellowship gospel track, the one that says you have God's word on it, with a picture of a King James Bible. God bless you, Sister Natalia. And he asked me this question. If you were to die today, where would you go? To heaven or hell? And I told him I would go to heaven. He asked me why I thought that. 
I said, because I'm a good person. My mom always told me I was a good old boy. And he said, that's not what the Bible says. He opened up a King James Bible. He took me down the Romans road. He showed me in Romans chapter number 3, verse 10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. He showed me Romans 3.12, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. He showed me Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He told me that he was a sinner, I'm going to say everyone's a sinner, except for the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Lord Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life for 33 years. The Lord Jesus Christ never sinned one time in word, in thought, or in deed. The same cannot be said of us. Thank you so much, Brother David. I really appreciate that. And what happened was, he showed me other scriptures, like Romans 6, verse 23, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. And he told me, because I'm a sinner, because he's a sinner, because we're all sinners. <coughs> Excuse me, one second. That we all deserve hell. He deserves hell. I deserve hell. Everyone in the world deserves hell. Because Adam and Eve, sin was passed down to us by Adam and Eve. But that, the good news was, and he showed me 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verses 3 and 4, where the gospel of Jesus Christ is found. Paul said, for I delivered unto you first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he told me, if I put my faith and trust in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, that the Lord Jesus Christ would save me from hell. And that day, the Holy Ghost of God, that day, the Holy Spirit of God convicted me and showed me I was a sinner. Showed me I was a sinner on the way to hell. Showed me I was a sinner on the way to hellfire. But he used the word of God. He used God's word. He used the precious seed of the word of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And he gave me an invitation. Brother Brian Brady gave me an invitation to receive the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, my personal Lord and Savior. He showed me other verses, like John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, he showed me how to be saved. From John 1.12, he also showed me Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He showed me Romans chapter 10, verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then he showed me the clincher, I called Romans 10, 13, the clincher verse. You know, for whosoever, that means anybody, for whosoever, that means anyone, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he told me, the best way I know how, if I'll call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save my soul from hell, 
Jesus would save me. I didn't even know how to pray. I was brought up Jewish on my mom's side. Brought up Catholic on my dad's side. But like Dr. Ruckman says, most Jews are practical atheists. Most Roman Catholics are practical atheists. They're Jews in name only. They're Catholics in name only. Just like you have Baptists in name only. You know, and he's, Brother Brian Brady said to me, would you mind if you step to the side? I got saved in Brooklyn, New York, 86th Street Bay Parkway. Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. It was a Nobody Beats the Wiz store. There that doesn't exist anymore. And, uh, he said, uh, would you mind stepping to the side? Would you mind, you know, getting on your knees, you know? And, um, I said, no. And he basically led me to the Lord Jesus Christ in the sinner's prayer. Something like this, dear God. And he said, he said, if you, if you could, if you believe these words, if you could say these words and mean it, then repeat after me. And remember, you're not praying to me, you're praying to the Lord. You're not talking to me, you're talking to the Lord. He said, if you could mean these words, bow your head and repeat them. It was something so simple as, dear God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe you, Lord Jesus Christ, died for my sins, was buried, and rose again the third day. I don't want to go to hell. Please, Lord Jesus Christ, come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. Please, Lord Jesus Christ, save my soul from hell. Take me to heaven when I die, because I don't want to go to hell. I believe in you, Lord Jesus Christ. I believe what you did for me on the cross. Thank you for dying for me. I do now, by faith, receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me know I'm saved. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was something so simple like that. And it changed my life. The Lord Jesus Christ, he changed my life. Now I can't get enough for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, all I want is the Lord Jesus Christ to say, Get the jump and see the Christ. Well done, my son Brian. No good and faithful servant. It's an hour to enjoy thy Lord. Because like Dr. Ruckman says, if the Lord were to say that to us, it's the truth, the whole truth but the truth. You know, the Lord has been so good to me, so faithful to me. I wanted to give my salvation testimony because the scariest thing for me was that I was on my way to hell and I didn't know it. That was the scariest thing for me. I was on my way to hell fire and I didn't know it. Had I not met that, you know, rough but I hellfire brimstone damnation street preacher brother Brian Brady. There's no doubt about it, I'd be in hell. You know, I'd be in hellfire if I die without the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord is so merciful. I look back on my life and how many times the Lord spared my life. I could have died. If I would have died on sick, I'd be burning in hell. And um, what it is, is that uh, Dr. Ruckman, when I was at his Bible Institute, Pensacola, Florida, PBI, Pensacola Bible Institute, he said, a brother in the Lord asked him this question. He said, Dr. Ruckman, what made the two, the two biggest differences in your life as a born-again Christian, as a Bible, as a PJ Bible? He said, number one was the reality that one day he would stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and have to give an account for his Christian service, what he did for the Lord Jesus Christ after the Lord Jesus Christ saved him. And the second thing was that the reality that souls go to hell. 
that souls really do die, go to hell, and die without the Lord Jesus Christ. That souls really do die, go to hell, fire, who die without the Lord Jesus Christ. And I used to work as a as a doorman in Manhattan, as a concierge in Manhattan. And um, what happened was one day I was um, I was working. They hired a Jehovah false witness. I call them Jehovah's false witnesses. Who we're the true Jehovah's witnesses. We believe Jesus is, is Jehovah. Jesus is God. We're Jesus's witnesses. They hired a Jehovah false witness named Jose. And even though he was one that goes out and, you know, Satan salesman, you know, damn souls to hell, he complained about me giving tracts, you know, to the other workers, the other employees. Because my, my boss, Raul, he, uh, he used to let me hand out tracts, he used to let me give out, I had 100% free, 100% liberty. And then once um, the Jehovah witness, Mr. Jose, complained about me giving out tracts, my boss, he couldn't show any kind of favoritism or partiality, respect of persons, you know. He said, I, I'm, I, he apologized, said, I'm sorry, but, you know, he told me, he actually told me who it was that complained about me. And um, basically, before that, I had on um, my locker, I had, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, magnets, stickers, all that. And I used to go to work in my Jesus clothing, transfer, you know. My doorman uniform and leave my doorman uniform. And once, you know, that door was shut where I couldn't witness anymore for the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, the, I didn't know it at the time. I don't, you know, it was always my heart's desire to, you know, do the Lord's work full time. Even if you work a regular job, you're still on call for the Lord 24 7. So every born again Christian is in full time ministry, whether you work a regular job or not. But, um, I had a I had a piece that the Lord didn't want me working as a doorman anymore because when you know the, when you know the truth about you know the Lord Jesus Christ and the King James Bible and that souls go to hell every second that souls go to hell for every second that souls you know go to hell every minute that souls go to hell for every minute but souls go to hell every every moment but souls go to hell for every moment. But souls go to hell every minute. But souls go to hell for every minute. You name it. Every every week, every hour, every day, every week. Me personally, because I didn't know I was going to hell. This is all I'm going to be able to do for the rest of my life is tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. Amen. The only one I want to go to hell is hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And you know, by the grace of God, you know the Lord. You know, he's been so good to me. And this has always been, you know, the vision that I had for um, not just New York City, but for the whole world is to have a King James Bible believing, you know, Baptist church in Manhattan, New York City. Because I always believed that Manhattan, from Manhattan, literally from New York City, Manhattan, New York, you can literally reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the King James Bible and for the body of Christ and lost souls. And this. Our new storefront church here, our new size, it's a dream come true. It's a reality that, you know, the Lord, uh, he's not through me yet. He's not through any one of us yet. He's not through with you yet. If you're still here, the Lord has something he wants you to do for him. And, you know, you all know me. Some of you know me better than others, but I'm addicted to the ministry of the saints. I'm addicted to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm addicted to the King James. I'm addicted to gospel tracks, chick tracks. 
they mean the, I can't even say the right words how much chick tracks you know mean to me and um you know I'm, I'm a track addict but without a doubt and chick tracks are my favorite tracks even though we use all the tracks I just I can't impress it upon you enough and bro David Downs did a great job today amen for our Lord Jesus Christ King Jabba Body Christ Lost Souls I can't impress it upon you enough you know how important it is for every born again Christian you know to give out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ especially give it out in the chick, in the chick tracks and you know we've had people you know leave our church who didn't agree with chick tracks you know that's fine to be honest with you it was their loss you know because if you don't see the value in these chick tracks it's probably because you never taken the time to read them and look up all the scripture verses you know one of these days i'm going to get organized and um i've literally taken the time to write out like all the verses and all and all the chick tracks and one day i wanted to do like a chick track concordance like to have a strong concordance even though other people have done some you know stuff like that dr bob fowler or bob fowler i believe his name is and and uh you know kirk kirk steiner you know but I always wanted to do a chick track accordance. These chick tracks, they're worth more than all the money in the world. I don't know if you realize like how blessed you are to be to you know have access to free chick tracks that you can you don't even gotta buy them. We'll give them to you for free. We'll give them to you by the hundreds, by the thousands. And I know the Lord is gonna make a way for you know our church, I mentioned myself, to get ten thousand of all the chick tracks oh, that you that they don't print anymore, you have to order ten thousand. Because there are souls dying and going to hell right here in Manhattan, New York City. There are souls dying and going to hell in, you know, Pennsylvania, upstate New York, Troy, New York, where you came from, Florida, you know, California, Kentucky, Tennessee. Brethren, if that doesn't move you, you know, to want to give out the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ, what do you hear statistics? Like 150,000 souls go to hell every day. Brethren, what do we do with our time? What are we doing with our treasure? What are we doing with our talent? What are we doing, you know, for the Lord Jesus Christ? What are we doing for the kingdom of God? You know, C.T. Studd said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You know, William Carey, the Baptist, uh, pioneer of the Baptist missionary movement, said, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. You know, we have brethren that are here right now at this church. Brother David Daniels is one of them. He got saved from the chick track. This was your life. If that's not proof that you should be handing out chick tracks, I don't know what is. You know, search your heart. Examine your heart. Because the devil will, the devil will put all kinds of thoughts in you against these chick tracks. Satan will put all kinds of thoughts against these chick tracks. But uh, Brother David Daniels, he's proof that chick tracks work, that they get people saved. Brother Danny Munez, tomorrow you're going to hear his testimony. He got saved from the Chick Track of Roman Catholics Christians. Brother Tim Kelleher, he can't make it. He called me while during the service. He's feeling really, really sick. Please pray for the brother. He got saved from the Big Chick Alberto comic book. Also, Brother Paul Fazio called me during the service. He got saved from the Chick Track Last Rites. Brother George Cox back there. You're going to hear his testimony tomorrow. He got saved from the Chick Track The Death Cookie. I could go on and on. Brother Falco, who's going to be here tomorrow, he got saved from the chick track of Roman Catholic Christians. Jesus said this in Matthew 7.20, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. 
The, fr- the fruits of chick track, the proof is in the pudding. If you really love the Lord Jesus Christ, if you really love the King James Bible, I'm not saying you have to give out chick tracks, but you ought to, you should. If you want to see more souls be saved from hell, you want to see less souls, why not use the best of the best? There's no, no, there's, even though souls get saved, all the tracks, chick tracks are the King James Bible tracks. They're the best of the best. They really are. It's the truth, don't you truth. I mean, our church is very poor. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. Our church is super poor, you know, fi- financially, but we're the richest church in all of New York City. Why do I say this? We have the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the King James Bible. We have the right gospel. Salvation by grace through faith. And the death by resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sound doctrine, eternal security. You know, the Lord is using our church, you know, to get the word of God out. Not just here in New York City, but all over the world. You know, and the vision I have, you know, is not just for New York City, but for the whole entire world. By the grace of God, if the Lord tarries, we don't have that much time. But we're going to support over 100 missionaries on a foreign mission field. I don't know how we're going to do it, except by faith. Because that's, all, that's the only way I know how to live. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. The just shall live by faith. But I'm telling you, brethren, you, you, you need to, I need to, we need to invest in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just talk about it, but put our money where our mouth is. Put our time where our mouth is. Put our time, our trade, our time. Because you're going to see eternal rewards, eternal dividends. This, this thing over here, I don't know if you've all seen it. It's basically like a missionary change offering. But I want to put an offering that a sister in the Lord gave because she had to leave. But if anybody wants to help, you know, propagate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the change in here is going to be sent to missionaries in a foreign mission field. But, um, you know, give it your all for the Lord Jesus Christ. Give it your all for the King James Bible. You know, I said all that before because what I like to do with the chick tracks, I don't always do it because we don't always have it like that, but I like to put at least a dollar bill in the chick tracks. Sometimes we'll put a five dollar bill. Sometimes we'll put a ten dollar bill. Sometimes we'll put a twenty dollar bill. Sometimes we'll put a fifty dollar bill. Sometimes we'll put a hundred dollar bill. You know why? Can you put a price on a soul? Can you put a price on a single soul? You can't. This one sister Lord said, yes, you can, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's, she's right in that sense, but I'm saying, brethren, don't let money, you know, don't let money get in the way. Like, the Lord bless you with a good job. You know, don't forget about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Dr. Ruckman says that, you know, when the rapture happens, all your money is going to be left to the Antichrist. Why not use it now for the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, it makes me so mad that, you know, Dr. Buckman says this, he says, the people that have the vision of souls dying and going to hell, like, like myself, our church, our ministry, we don't have the provision. We lack the provision. We lack the money. We lack the fund. But he says it's better to have the vision of souls dying and going to hell and not have the provision than to have the provision, to have the money, to have the resources, to have the, to have the finance, to have the riches, and not have the vision of souls dying and going to hell. And I knew that the Lord was eventually going to hear my prayer for this new church here in New York City. I don't know how he was going to work it out, but he worked it out. But brother, I'd rather have the vision of souls going to hell than have the provision. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, I can't wait for the Lord to bless our church, you know, financially. 
So all these people, like homeless people, we can give them at least at least a dollar, if not more. We let when we go into out to eat. We like to track everybody in the restaurant that works there. I've been out with brother David Daniels and his wife. We went to the spaghetti factory in California and all the burger place. I forget the name of it. And brother, I'm not boasting about myself. It's not me, but. The reason why I, I like to give everybody a, at least a dollar and a track, if not more, is I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, I believe it is true, I heard that one of Brother Jack Chick's pet peeves was that um, when, you know, other born-again Christians wanted to impress Brother Jack Chick, they would take him out to like a nice fancy schmancy restaurant, but then when it came time to give the waiter or the waitress a tip, they would stiff the waiter, they would stiff the waitress, and I said, you know what? I appreciate Brother Jack Chick so much, and I appreciate you know, the Lord's Dark Yard Dog, Dr. Peter S. Ruckman so much. I appreciate Brother David Daniels who the difference. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be like those miser Christians, those tightwad Christians. You know that they've got so much money to bank, they don't know what to do with it. You know, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruit of your labor. You know, but don't forget about souls going to hell. Don't forget about souls going to hellfire. You, brethren, I'm telling you, when we all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to all wish we did more for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're at the great white throne judgment, and we see souls being cast in a lake of fire. And we see souls pointing their finger at us that we didn't warn, that we didn't tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't care for their soul. Psalm 142 verse 4 says, no man cared for my soul. You don't want to be ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ. You know what people at the great white throne judgment point their finger at you and say, you knew about hell. You knew about hellfire. You knew about hell, like a fire, hellfire. And you didn't warn me. What kind of a Christian were you? You know, if you walked by a house and the house was on fire, you had a newborn baby, a newborn baby boy, newborn baby girl, or your son, your child, your son, your daughter, your parents, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your niece, your nephew, that they, they were trapped in that house, the house was on fire. And you didn't try to go rescue them or call the fire. What kind of a person would we be? I'd be you be. It's horrible, brother, this reality of hell. It's hard. It's so horrible. You need to remember what the Lord Jesus Christ saved you from, saved me from, saved us from. And we ought to be thanking the Lord every second, every moment, every minute. We ought to be praising the Lord Jesus Christ every second that we're not burning in hell. That we're not burning in hell fire. You know, Jude says in Jude... Verse 22 and 23, it says, And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others stay with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even a garment, spotted by the flesh. We had a sister in the Lord leave our church, and she left our church with two reasons. Three reasons. She said, I talked too much about the King James Bible. How could you talk too much about God's Word, the book that saved our soul from hell? And she said, I talk too much about hell. How could you talk too much about hell? When souls go to hell every second, every moment, every minute, every hour, every week, every day, every year. And the third reason was she she didn't even take the time to read the chick tracks. She just looked at the, the cover of Roman Catholic Christians with the rosary beads on there. She didn't even take the time to read the track that Brother, Dave, Brother Danny Munez got saved from, that uh, Brother Falco got saved from. What does Proverbs 18.13 say? He that answereth matter before he heareth it. It's folly and shame unto him. You know, read these tracts, okay? And why don't you read them to try to disprove them? Because you won't be able to. 
Because they got the word of God. How are you going to disprove the word of God? How are you going to disprove God's word? There were, brother, I said it earlier, brother David Daniels, we had a conversation before he came here. And I asked him, I said, how many souls do you think have been saved from chick tracks? And he said, three million, at least three million. But we, we all know that's a lot more than three million. Okay? In one sense, the number isn't important, but in no sense, it's super important. Because the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell. God's heartbeat is for souls, brethren. I mean, we got we to gotta get God's heartbeat, you know, on the matter, you know. Second Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God is not willing that any should perish, neither should we. We should go overboard when it comes to reaching lost souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. When we were in the world, we were serving the flesh, and we didn't even know we were serving the world, we didn't even know we were serving the... We would do anything to want to sin, to, to accomplish our sin. Why not go all out for the Lord Jesus Christ? Why not surrender, lock, stock, and bow? Why not sur- consecrate yourself 100%, yield yourself 100%, dedicate yourself 100%? You won't have any regrets, brethren. If you do that, because the Lord Jesus Christ, he's so worthy to serve. We've been here for hours, you know, you know, early this morning. So now thousands upon thousands of souls died and the majority of them went to hell. Do you care? Do I care? Do we care? You, you can't you can't give a penny for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't give a nickel for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't give a dime for the gospel. You can't give 20 cents. Think about all the money you waste on sin, all the money I waste, all the money I waste on sin. You can't give a quarter, a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. It doesn't matter the amount. It's your heart. Okay, the Lord wants your heart more than he wants anything else. But a lot of Christians, money is their God. You know, a lot of Christians won't be in church tomorrow. You know why? They're going after that. their God. Mammon, money. S, if you have to work, the Lord understands all of that. Okay, I'm not trying to be a Pharisee or a legalist. Okay, you have responsibilities, you know, your family, you know, debt, but put the Lord first, brethren. Jesus said in Matthew 6:33, "But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." I won't embarrass them. Maybe I will, because they, they deserve honor. You know, Sister Lumila and her daughter. You know, they came up from Florida just to be here. You know, so that you know they could enjoy this great opening bro Danny we love you so much my brother love you in the Lord Jesus Christ bro Danny Munez has to go he'll be giving his testimony tomorrow how he got saved in the chick track Roman Catholic Christians keep brother Danny in prayer he's a great great brother in the Lord Jesus Christ he loves the Lord Jesus Christ and um what it is is that um you know Sithulamila she could have worked and made extra money she could have had you know more money from working overtime but she put the Lord Jesus Christ first she put the word of God first, and she put her soul getting fed, because she needed this. She needs this. I need it. We all need this. We need to be in church every time the doors are open to feed our soul. We need to get encouraged. We need to get strengthened. We need to get charged up. We need to be challenged. The Bible says, provoke one of love and good works. I'm telling you, brother, I think it was Jack Chick that said, if you give out three chick tracks a day, you can reach a thousand people in one year for the Lord Jesus Christ. How hard is it to give somebody a chick You don't have to give to you. You can lay it around different places. That's how Brother Danny got saved. He'll tell you his testimony. I want to spoil it. I'm just telling you, brother, how much do we love the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, it'll show in our actions. It'll show how we spend our... Dr. Buckman said you can tell a lot about a person 
by the things he spends his time on, the things he spends his time talking about, and the things he spends his money on. It goes for a sister or a brother, or a brother or sister. You know, look at look at what examine yourself. Ask yourself, am I doing enough for the Lord Jesus Christ after all he's done for me? The answer is none of us could do enough for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can never pay the Lord Jesus Christ back for what he's done for us. But he wants to use us, brethren. You know, when the Lord saved us, he could have called us home that very day. That very day. But he saved... Thank you, sister. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you. You know, you know, the Lord left us down here to do a work for him. Because we're his eyes, we're his ears, we're his mouth, we're, we're his hand, we're his feet. And, you know... Dr. Buckman says this, he says, if you fail God, if, if I fail, if somebody's going to go to hell. It does make a difference. You giving somebody a chick track, that can result in that person being saved from hell. And you not giving that person a chick track, it can result in them not being saved from hell. So I'm just telling you, brethren, you know, get a burden for souls. I mean, I don't know what you got to do to get a burden for souls, you know, I like to listen to a lot of sermons about hell and hell find a lake of fire, but the great white throne judgment. So I don't forget the reality that people go to hell. And, you know, we, if you got family members that are, that are on their way to hell, listen, I went to a church in West Virginia. They took us on for monthly support. The pastor was preaching, and he gave an invitation call. Nobody came to the altar, and I included myself. And he said, you know what? He said, if you even have one soul that you know that's not stayed in your family, your relatives, your loved ones, neighbors, co-workers, strangers. You ought to be at this altar bringing their name before the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Now, we don't have no altar here, you know, but you can pray in this chair. You can pray in your seat. You can come up and kneel on the floor here. You know, the Lord looks on the heart. It's not to make a show. But what I'm saying is that the Bible says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. You know, we need to shed more tears for the lost. And then we need to put a pep on us. So we need to, there ought to be a sense of urgency, brethren. Like, that's why, like, the vision for our church is to be fruitful and multiply. Disciple people, to baptize them, disciple them, and get them out. Get them out doing the Lord's work. I believe our church really is making a difference here in New York City, and will continue to make a difference here in New York City. And people will remember us, you know, by our bold witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 28.1, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the rights are bold. Always have gospel tracks. Always have, you know, chick tracks on you. Because, you know, even though I don't agree with uh, Brother Ray Comfort, you know, and, and his doctrine. But one thing he said that I, I love. He said, if you ever find him without a gospel track on him, he'll give you $20. And one time he was in a swimming pool. Okay, and he had gospel checks on him in a swimming pool. Now, somebody like Ray Comfort, who's got false doctrine, who has heretical beliefs and teachings, even though I love his burden for souls, okay, but if someone like him, who's, who doesn't even have a 100% sound doctrine, if he could have a burden for souls, how much more should we, who have a burden for souls, should we have a burden for souls going to hell? Well, we know sound doctrine. And, you know, like I said, the Lord can use anybody. The Lord could even use, you know, Ray Comfort. And I'm sure souls have gotten saved, you know, from Ray Comfort. And I do want to say this. And, you know, I love Ray Comfort that he uses the law and evangelism, which I believe is lacking in the church, in, in, the, body of, in the body of Christ. And we are going to incorporate in our church more of the law and evangelism so that... Because the Bible says the law is our schoolmaster bring us on to Christ and justify by faith. And praise the Lord for chick tracks that go through the law like it's the law... Sin busters, there's a lot of busted, 
You know, it's very important when you evangelize, use the Lord to bring the knowledge of sin. And, um, but we should never be without gospel tracks. I, 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 I get so mad when I find myself, you know, without a track. You know, it's a good thing once if you had a lot and you gave them out, if you had something, you give them out. But it, it, don't leave home without your tracks. The American Express says don't leave home without your credit card. Don't leave home without gospel tracks. I'm telling you, it's so important. And praise the Lord for chick tracks. They have over, over a couple hundred titles. They have all different languages. Like I felt so bad yesterday that our brother David met these two, uh, two women from Italy and, uh, they, they accepted the gospel tracks that, you know, he gave them. Praise the Lord Jesus. But it bothers me when I don't have people's languages. And by the grace of God, we're going to get orders. We're going to have every language that chick makes and ones that the only way to get is for 10,000. But um, I said all that for a reason. Um, I was trying to make, oh, this is, this, is what, this, is what, this is what I do sometimes, brother. My wife, I think she's back there somewhere. But um, what it is is sometimes we like to go out to eat on, on Saturday mornings or a diner or restaurant. And then there'll be people there who speak Spanish and Greek and English and Hebrew. If I don't have a chick track on me in their language, what I try to do is I'm willing to give any amount of money for a tip to, to whoever works there. I'm willing, I want to get their cell phone number so I can text them a chick track, you know what I'm saying, in their language. I want to get their email, whatever information they'll give me, and I'm willing to pay whatever just so I can give them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, just so I can get that track to them somehow, either media form. And to me, it's worth it. I don't care how much I have to spend to give somebody a go- the gospel of the Lord Jesus because you can't put a price on souls, brethren. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I believe this, the Lord gave me this because one of my life verses is Proverbs 13, 7. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. And um, a testimony real quick, uh, you know, the hotel across the street, the, you know, we actually got a great deal, believe it or not, on the hotel across the street. And when I went in there to reserve Brother David's room and other brethren's room, uh, Mr. Sergio, when he was check, you know, checking us in, reserving the room, the rates were a lot higher. And then the Lord put my heart to give everybody a chick track with a $5 bill, all the workers, all the maids, whatever. I forget how much we, sp- we spent in it, but to me it doesn't matter because one soul's worth it all. You know what Mr. Sergio did? He lowered the price of the room of the rent by like fifty or hundred or hundred fifty dollars a night per night, just because we gave out a gospel track, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and those chick tracks, brethren. I'm telling you, the Lord will even give you favor, you know, for giving out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord will even open up doors for you, give it up when you give out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't put nobody on the spot here, but. We can go through so many testimonies. Brother Aaron's witnessed it. Sister Kelly's witnessed it. Other people have witnessed it. You know, these chick tracks, I'm telling you, I don't like to sound like a, you know, a Pentecostal charismatic, but these chick tracks, they really have the anointing on them because they've got the word of God. The King James, but the God, the seed is the word of God, Jesus said. And you can literally turn this world upside down for Lord Jesus Christ. With these chick tracks. Literally turn the world right side up for Lord Jesus Christ with these chick tracks. They are so important, brethren. You know, I don't care how much you know they cost. You can't put a price. On. People say, "Well, I don't, I don't, I don't use chick tracks because they're they're costly." They're, why not give people the best chance in the world to get saved from hell? Why not give people the best chance in the world to get saved from hellfire? Why not give people the best chance to get saved? From hell? And I believe when you give them a chick track, you give them the best 
Because a, a track is only good if it gets red. And chick tracks get red. But anyway, let's, uh, let's close it out. It was a wonderful, uh, wonderful, uh, first, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, session, preaching, teaching, you know, speaking. You know, I hope you all got, uh, blessed here today. Um, I don't really want to mention too much about, you know, the cost of a meeting like this, but if the Lord lays it on your heart and you want to give anything, you could just drop it in the, um, the thing here, or you could just go online. You know, we have our website, kingjamesbiblebaptistchurch.com. You could also Zelle. There's all different ways. Get in contact with me if you want. Send it to our P.O. box. You can send it to our, our new church address, 1026 6th Avenue, suite number 201, New York, New York, 10018. Um, just know, brethren, that, you know, you're in the Lord's army when the Lord Jesus Christ saved you. And he wants to use you for his praise, for his honor, for his glory. And um, the most important thing in our Christian life is our personal fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and our family. But after that, it's getting the word of God out any way you can. And um, Dr. Ruckman taught me, he said, the most important thing in Christian life is your personal fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, the second most important thing is getting the word of God out any way you can. That's what all these scripture signs are for. That's what all these chick tracks are for. That's what all the Jesus clothing that we wear, I wear, all the brethren who sit to wear. It's so that... We can get the word before people's faces in their eye gate, in their ear gate. Because the Bible says, the entrance of thy words giveth light, give understanding unto the simple. Psalm 119, 130. And Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And Psalm 68, 11 says, the Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. And I want to encourage you, brother, never lose your burden for souls. It's so easy to become lukewarm. It's so easy to care, to, care, to be careless and not care that souls die and go to hell. But you know what you've been saved from, brethren. And praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's given us the best ammunition with these chick tracks. That if you want to see souls saved, you want to, you want to see less souls go to you, you want to see more souls, you'll give out these chick tracks. And if you don't like chick tracks, give out any King James... Salvation gospel track. Okay, as long as you're doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's better doing nothing for the Lord. You may not like chick tracks. Use fellowship track lead tracks. Use any tracks that have the plan, God's simple plan of salvation. Just do something, brethren, for the Lord Jesus. Don't you want to make a difference for the cause of Christ? King David said, there's not a cause. I just cover your prayers, brethren, for myself, for my wife, for my, my family, our church, our ministry, our outdoor church, our new, our new storefront church in Manhattan, New York City. Please pray for the King James Bible Baptist Church in Manhattan, New York City. Please pray for Brother Aaron, my assistant. Pray for his family. Pray for all the church members, the members of our church. Pray for all the laborers. Pray for all the workers. There's a lot of people that weren't able to make it here today for various reasons. But tomorrow, I really believe we're going to have a full house. Tomorrow, I really believe we're going to have a packed house. Try to get here as early as you can. Brother David will be uh, preaching, teaching, speaking again at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 6 p.m. I know you have your own church, some of you. But if your church doesn't have an evening service, you ought to come back tomorrow, 6 p.m. And, and um, you know, you ought to want to be where the Word of God is and where God's Spirit is and where the Lord Jesus Christ is. And, you know, thank you all, brethren. I'm just going to close it out in prayer. Wow, Lord, what a great day. What a great start. What a, thank you, Jesus. Lord, it's all about souls, Lord. That's what this is all about, Lord. It's all about you, Lord Jesus Christ, getting to praise, honor, and glory. King James Bible is all about a king and his kingdom. It's all about you, Lord. 
Receive in praise and receive in honor and glory. Unto him be glory in the church. Lord, thank you for sending Brother David Daniels. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for sending him, so that his wife, Sister Deborah. They've been such a blessing to me and my wife. They've been such a blessing, Lord, to Brother Aaron, his wife. They've been such a blessing to our church today. And Lord, they've been such a blessing with me and Brother Lewis. First met them at Chick Publications, Lord. Lord, they've been dear friends. Lord, thank you so much for my Christian family. Thank you for our Christian family. Where will we be without you, Lord Jesus Christ, your word, the King James Bible? And Lord, a Bible-believing church, Lord, Bible-believing Christian family, Bible-believing Christian fellowship. Lord, thank you so much for the word of God that was, pre- that was preached here toward here today. All the scripts that were read and all the brother David uh, Daniel's uh, testimony, salvation testimony, Lord. Lord, thank you how you used Brother Jack Chick like you used no one else other than Dr. Ruckman and how you're using, Lord, um, Brother David Daniels now. And there's a lot of other great men of God I've never probably even heard of. And a lot of other great women of God I've never probably ever heard of. But, Lord, I'm thankful for the ones I did hear of. Brother Jack Chick and Dr. Ruckman, your junkyard dog, and Brother David Daniels. Lord, help myself and our church and our ministry continue their legacy, their great legacy they left for you, Lord Jesus Christ. And your word to King James Bible, Body Christ, Lost Souls. Let us all leave our own legacy for you too, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to hear, well done, now, a good and faithful servant. Enter thou with the joy of thy Lord. Lord, we can't wait. I can't wait to get to heaven and see all the souls that God saved from the chick tracks that you used us to pass out and other tracks as well, other gospel tracks, well, King James Salvation tracks as well, Lord. It's all about you, Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to always remember that, Lord. Then all things, you might have the preeminence. Help us to remember, Lord, that we're nothing for doing what we do for you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're unprofitable servants, just doing our duty, which you commanded us to do. But, Lord, we want to be profitable for your kingdom, for thy kingdom, Lord. Lord, we must decrease, Lord Jesus Christ. You must increase, Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to remember, Lord, that without you, Lord, we could do nothing. You said in John 15, 5, without me, you could do nothing. But help us remember what Paul said in Philippians 4, 13. I could do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Lord, I thank you so much for Brother Davis and Deborah taking their time, Lord, to come to our church here in Manhattan, New York City, King Jababa. Let us be a blessing to them, Lord, spiritually and physically. And I know they didn't come for financial blessings, Lord, but Lord, you said the laborer is worthy of his hire. You said the laborer is worthy of his reward. You said the workman is worthy of his meat. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's given so far from the, the link that uh, Brother Joseph Armstrong, my wife, set up, Lord, for our church, King Day Baba Church. I thank you for all those who've given today and, Lord, in the past. And, Lord, it's just a miracle that, Lord, that we have a, a, a blessing like this from you, Lord. Let, let's not take this blessing for granted, Lord. Lord, I just, I'm, it's amazing how you worked that. He got saved when this was your life. And, Chick track, and now, Lord, he's writing the chick tracks. Lord, we can't make this up, Lord. It's really awesome how you work, Lord. It really is, Lord. You do that so that you can get the glory, Lord, so that no flesh should glory in your presence, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Words can't express how much we love you. We love you, Lord Jesus Christ, with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our strength, with all our might, with all our mind. Lord, give us a burden for the lost like never before, Lord. Lord, send revival and let it begin with me. Send revival, let it begin with us. Send revival, let it begin with the King James Bible Baptist Church, Matt, New York City. 
Lord, we know there's not going to be no great end time revival because every dispensation ends in apostasy. But Lord, there could be small pockets of revival here. We're walking revival there. Lord, thank you for both Jack Chick's tracks. Why no revival? And the book by Lord uh, Finney, Lord about why why revival tarries. And Lord, thank you for Chick Publications. Continue to bless Chick Publications. Continue to bless Brother David Daniels. Continue to bless his wife, Sister Deborah. Their five children. Their grandchildren, to you to bless, Lord, Brother Ron Rockney, Brother Steve Rockney, Sister Karen Rockney, bless all the, Brother George Collins, bless all these, Lord, uh, great men of God, women of God, who are doing a great work for you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let the work continue, Lord, until you call us home to heaven, until you rapture us, Lord. And please, Lord, give us our heart's desires, Lord Jesus Christ, as long as they line up with your perfect will, your perfect word. Lord, I believe you're going to make a way, Lord, for the King James Bible Baptist from Hattonick City to give every tract, every every home, all the 1.6 million people that live here in Manhattan, New York City, that this at least that this was your life chick track in English and their language and a gospel of John and Romans, scripture portion. Lord, help us never lose the vision, Lord, because you said where there's no vision and people perish. Thank you, Lord, for saving us from hell. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for saving us from hellfire. Lord, bless all the little ones that came today, all the kids, all the children, all the little lambs. Lord, why Dr. Ruck when he would give them gummy bears? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're so good to us. You're so good to your children, Lord. Lord, help us leave here on fire for you, Lord Jesus Christ. On fire for your word, on fire for the King James Bible, on fire for lost souls. On fire for evangelists, on fire for soul, on fire for street preaching. Help us, Lord, to be a bit bigger, bolder witness for you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to never be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And bless everyone who's watching online, the Chick Publication YouTube channel, Lord, uh, Facebook Live, my personal Facebook page, the Lord, the Instagram thing. Blessed Isabella for helping me with the, the technology, Lord, the communications. Lord, thank you. We got the internet installed yesterday just in time, Lord. Lord, you're an on-time God. We serve on You're never late. You're, never, you're always right on time. Thank you for making a way, Lord, financially, for everyone to come to this meeting, Lord. And those who couldn't make it, thank you for the live stream services. And Lord, it's only the beginning, Lord, but you just gets better and better, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Bless all they that put their trust in him. We love you, Lord, again and again. We love you, Lord Jesus Christ, in the bottom of our hearts, Lord. We'll never forget, Lord, by your grace, what you've done for us, Lord. Let us make you known, Lord Jesus Christ, everywhere we go. Let us be like Jason. Who you said in Acts 17, 6, him and the other disciples, turn the word upside down for you, Lord Jesus, right side up, Lord. Please give the increase, Lord, spiritually in every other way here today. And please, may we always be reminded to have chick tracks on us, all the gospel, the King James. And I pray all this, Lord, we pray all this, Lord, all in your holy and precious name. Bless the food, the drink, the come, the fellowship. In Jesus' name I pray, in your name I pray all these things, Lord Jesus Christ, your holy and precious name. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord Jesus Christ, praise the written word, praise the King James Bible, victory in the Lord Jesus Christ, victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, what a blessing. Amen. Before we go, I guess it's turned off, right? Amen.